Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. On the 15th of October, 2020, Donald Trump participated in a town hall meeting on NBC. Unlike a traditional town hall, almost every question in this broadcast was asked by the host, Savannah Guthrie. And almost every time Savannah Guthrie asked a question, she intentionally interrupted the president. I felt good the following day. I felt really good. Did the doctors ever tell you that they saw pneumonia on your lungs? No, perhaps infected. And, uh, infected you know, with? You know, I tested positive. Well, let's talk about testing. I had no problem before. Did you test the day afterwards. of the debate? That's when I first found out. Well, back it. to the debate. And the doctors do it. I don't ask them. I, I test all the time. And they, Did you take a test, though, you, on the day you, of the you, debate? You, they take a test, and I leave, and I go about so my you, business. Did you take a test on the day of the debate? And they took a test, and it tested positive. So just Button it up. And sometime after the debate, I tested positive. Let's talk about... That's when they decided to let's go. Just the other day, they came out with a statement that 85% of the people that wear masks catch it. So, you know, they this didn't is say that. I know that study. Well, that's, 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 that's what I heard. I have to be out. You can see and people with a mask, know, though, right? I can, but I'm not going to not let them do it. Now, there was an event with the gold... I don't think that's probably where it was caught, but maybe it well, was. Well, I was going to say, you bring it up. You brought it up yourself. I also know... Well, there's no one that says... It's risky doing it. It is risky doing but it. But as it's president, risky you, you're, you're right. There's tremendous spikes. But our death rate is worse. But we have therapies that are absolutely incredible. That's I want to pick up on something you just said. You said we're rounding the corner. I believe now, we're rounding the corner. Now, 10%. 2 million, 200,000 That's 2 million people. figure, though. You can't let this continue to go on with the lockdowns. Well, most and of I believe states, that on November yeah. 4th, now they're open fucking ghost town. Let's get people, let's get and, and you did have a hard time ever building it up again. Let's so, get so that cure, and he was asking questions like Biden was a child. Well, well so this so, is a little bit ready? of a dodge. Are you, wait, are you listening? I denounce white supremacy. Okay. What's your next question? Do you I denounce these people on the left that are burning down our cities that are run by Democrats who don't All right, know what While we're doing. denouncing, let me ask you about QAnon. I know nothing about QAnon. I just told I you. I know very little, but I know nothing they about it. They believe it, it is if a satanic like call run by the deep state. the subject, burning down cities run by Democrats, not run Republican by Republicans. Republican Senator Ben Sass. I don't know. You let me ask me you another thing. Let's, let's go. Keep asking me these okay. questions. I but, do have but, one let, more let on me this just, let me, And I agree with that. I mean, I do agree okay. with that, and I agree but there's not a satanic pedophile. Why doesn't he condemn Antifa? Why does he say it doesn't exist? Because you're Antifa, here no, she's <laughs> so cute. I'll put it out there. People can decide for themselves. I don't get that. You're I don't the take a You're not like someone's crazy uncle who no, can no, just reach no, me. No. What? I wouldn't be able to get the word out. And the word, well, the word is, is false. And, you know and they're dumped in garbage cans. That is a handful. We could go all night, which we won't. When I see thousands of ballots dumped in a garbage can and they happen to have my name on it, I'm not happy about okay, that. Okay, but just, those are case... Dr. Fauci said I saved thousands and thousands of lives. Did you not? I was early. I don't want to go out and say, everybody's going to die. Everybody's going to... Isn't there a middle ground? You don't no, have to mislead. They were talking about a 42% unemployment Who rate. Who was talking it about that? Out, I heard 20%. It just came out at 7.8%. I am Who all for 
we don't get that because it's just... If you look at Scott, Dr. Scott, he's from great guy, Stanford. He will tell you... He's that not he an infectious disease expert. Oh, I don't know. Look, he's an expert. He's one of the great experts of the world. But I don't get it because you... But then you have a report coming out two days ago that 85% of the people wearing masks... I looked at that it. report. It's not about mask wearing. It was... And I want to give great health care. So thank you very much. On the pre-existing conditions. Individual mandate is gone. That was the worst part. You repealed, but you haven't replaced. We got rid of the individual mandate. But that the, went through the, the legislature. repeal and replace. We will always protect people with pre-existing but conditions. And here's the thing. In we November... We are ready to sign and pass stimulus, but she's got to... do not it. love the back and forth of Washington. I wanted to be bold. I want the money go to directly... Are Senate Republicans with you? They're going to go big? Well, no. They're going to be okay, very... so happy. far, they have not I said know, they would. because I haven't asked them to. I don't love what's happening to San Francisco. Well, I hear you right. It sounds like you're saying $400 million isn't that much. office buildings. But are you... Are you, are you it's a tiny percentage of my net worth. That sounds and like you'll yes. you see that. It's called mortgages. People have a house to any put a mortgage. Any foreign bank, any foreign entity. Not that I know of. You saw what they did with the religious But to be school. clear, there is no law or rule. My son is here. They run the company. I don't run the company. You it know, also says that you, you paid $750 in taxes in the, the, the year you were elected. Yeah, is that that's true a statutory not? number. It's a statutory number. But it's is that true? A, I think it's a filing number. You pay $750. It's a filing or a filing fee. And I know she's going to make a great decision for our country. The new running with is the a pro-life Republican. Even you, Savannah, will be very impressed. Sir, with we her. have about 30 seconds left. We created new levels of jobs that nobody thought was possible. And next year is going to be better than ever before. I got to leave it there. I got a, a wrap from the, the control room. Mr. President, thank you for your thank time. You. Thank you for listening thank to the voters' so questions. That concludes our town hall. And welcome to our town hall with Joe Biden. Mr. Vice President, welcome to you. Good to be with you. They're going to demand that it's safe. But you expect to be there? Oh, I expect to be there. Mr. Vice President, thank you for your time tonight. Thank all the questioners here. It was really terrific questions. I think you did a service to our democracy tonight. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. Took a lot of notes. Uh, you know me. And last night, look, you had on one station, ABC, Joe Biden. You have George Stephanopoulos as the moderator. Stephanopoulos, of course, a one-time senior advisor to President Clinton. And the word that I kept going back to was amiable. Then on NBC, you have President Trump on there, moderated by Savannah Guthrie, whose husband was a former chief of staff to Al Gore's 2000 presidential campaign. We can't seem to find anybody to do these things that don't have some sort of connection to the Democratic Party. But regardless, uh, I came up with antagonistic as my word that kept coming up over and over because you had a debate moderator, in this case a town hall moderator, who served as a sparring partner in making the show about herself. And let me share some numbers with you. I went through the transcript, Ainsley, 43 questions by Savannah Guthrie to President Trump. That doesn't even include all the statements that she made during it as well. Now, how many questions the audience got to ask? You know, the whole reason we were having this event, a town hall, 10. 43 for Guthrie, 10 for the audience. Also, for the first 24 minutes of a one-hour event, Savannah Guthrie was the only one asking the questions until an audience member was finally allowed to do so. So look, Savannah Guthrie was there not to inform voters in this case, but instead to pacify NBC employees who were mad that the town hall was even being held in the first place, and Hollywood celebrities, a hundred of them who even wrote a letter saying that this event cannot go on, Ainsley. So it was a farce, as we probably expected, because this is the movie we've seen over and over again during these town hall debates. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 18th of October, year of our Lord 2020. Welcome back to the show, and that's great start off there. That's the longest soundbite pretty much you're going to hear today. Um, but I... I 
I just had to play the differences. We have plenty of sound bites off that that I could have played, but that interruption and what goes for journalism now in 2020, really, really. I know you're under a lot of pressure, but that was hot garbage. And when we get to that section and put it across what was going on on ABC as Snuffburger gave him a nice soft ball wash. Yeah. Even got his taint for him over there. It's crude, but it's true. It's what we call journalism. But more on that later. I got and reached, or I reached out to old boss in New York and a couple of random listeners. And as I thought, you know, the show has just gotten too, too large. So I made a promise today to downsize sound bites. You're going to have sound bites because that's the way we get proof points. And we're going to still have quite a few topics to cover because we're bringing back news and social media nuggets, which you got to have. I mean, I haven't done that in a while. It is the crazy stuff we were covering for years on this show that somehow spilled out into our world and now we live crazy stuff. But then we'll cover the town hall. We'll cover a little violence today. And we'll fu- cover some more on Hunter because I, I'm i going to cover it. Sorry. We covered all sorts of smoking guns and, oh, my God, the, the walls are crumbling bullshit for every Russian conspiracy theory they could come up with, which all got proven false. Nobody's touched this. So without further ado, I will promise you that we will downsize the podcast. And part of that is being clear and concise, shorter podcast, and less long, less of me wandering as I am now. So as we go into new social media nuggets, I got to play the one soundbite that pairs really well, like a hunk of cheese and a nice wine for those foo-foo people, or for me, a cigar and a really nice eh, four fingers of Woodford's. That That's pretty good right there. Um, this was MSNBC saying that, what you just heard, was mansplaining. Yeah. Okay, and we'll go straight on into news, social media nuggets. Edwards, the debasement of women is, um, I think Heilman coined this expression, not a bug, but a feature of the Trump presidency. I'm, I'm surprised it took so long for anyone to sort of put all that together. That's Trump in his own words, things he said about high-profile, powerful women over his presidency, and it probably could have gone on for 15 more minutes. What do you think? Well, and you know what, Nicole, it was reinforced last night at the debate where he bullied uh, Savannah Guthrie. He talked over her. He interrupted her. Um, uh, He was just a patent bully last night. And I think American women saw that and were disgusted by it. And so the ad really is reinforced by the president's own words, by his own actions, And I I think that when you look at the contrast with Joe Biden, where not only does he have Kamala Harris on his ticket, he demonstrates uh, every time he talks about her, how much he respects her, respects her intellect, uh, respects her capacity. And you can't imagine Donald Trump doing that at all with any women, even the ones who are around him. In fact, last night, I think he made some reference to Savannah Guthrie being cute. How inappropriate was that? Uh, for girls and women to see and hear. Try- Who are you trying to get crazy with this scene? Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. 
the crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. God, we haven't done this forever. And for those who knew the show, I'm retired military. We used to do this every show. Just some quick hits on what's happening in our military, which, you know, once again, media doesn't really care about. I mean, we never cover them. We cover transgender suicide, goddamn genocide that we're still talking about. And we'll hit that in our town hall today. The utter fucking stupidity in that. But we really never talk about soldiers because, you know, why would we? Why would we cover soldiers? So in this section, we cover some small things, just the latest and greatest. And we start with the Air Force OK's new Stormbreaker bomb for F-15 Strike Eagle operations. And let's get to the beginning of this. Uh, following nearly 140 flights and developmental tests conducted by units at El- Elgin Air Force Base, Florida, Air Combat Command recently signed off on the Raytheon-made bomb known as Stormbreaker for the legacy fighter, the service said. SDB, its ability to attack moving targets at range in diverse weather, delivers a significant advantage. The Stormbreaker is also expected to fly on the Super Hornets and the F-35s. The Air Force was classified as the bomb as the GBU-53 is lead service on the program. Stormbreaker, a 250-pound class attack weapon, uses a millimeter wave radar to see through any kind of weather, according to Raytheon. So, once again, if you're a bad guy, sucks being you. <laughs> it's another one to land down your freaking chimney. Army is paving way for $87 million for an upgraded Carl Gustav. And the up- the Carl Gustav is an 84-millimeter recoilless rifle. It's like the old 90 recoilless rifle when I came in. And, you know, it's like Korea era. But it's used for bunkers and other things. You know, it's really not the primary for a tank. And um, if you've never fired one of those, wow, you just haven't lived. It's fantastic. The Army saw an M4 replacement is headed to troops by 2022. The gun that will replace the M249 squadomatic weapon and the M16 M4 carbine rifle weapon and add a new widely distributed caliber, the U.S. military inventory for the first time in a decade is less than two years away. The next generation squad weapon finished its first prototype test event in September. The three previously selected offerings came from Six Hour, Textron Systems, and General Dynamics. Brigadier General David Hoden, Infantry School Commander at Soldier Lethality Cross-Functional Team Director, well, we got a fancy name. Along with Brigadier General Anthony Potts, head of Program Executive Office Soldiers, or PEO, uh, gave updates to Army Times ahead of Associated U.S. Army Annual Meeting and Exposition. Concurrently, the Army in April has also selected two companies, L3 Technologies and Vortex Optics, to complete for the fire control of the weapon system. 
Sig Sauer design looks much like a conventional assault rifle, with GD is using a bullpup design, which shortens the length by building the magazine feed into the weapon stock. Textron has built its weapon around the cartridge, which is unique to them, a case telescopic item that has a projectile inside the casing to reduce weight. And it's going to be that 6.8 millimeter, once again, working also on downsizing the weight the soldiers carry. Remember, when I went in the shit, you got your seven magazines, 30 rounds of 5.56. I carried like 20 in my ruck, a couple claymores, a couple, you know, grenades. And even though at that time, I was, you know, decent shape. I was a platoon sergeant. I was humping 90. All right, 90 pounds. Probably too much. And then our last story, because I was going to cover the Greybeards, but I think we covered it before. This is the Army's newest tool to help squad leaders connect with soldiers. The U.S. Army plans to roll out a mobile app for its squad leaders that will act as a daily playbook and provide a new way to advise and connect with soldiers. The move is part of the service's This Is My Squad initiative to address challenges in the force and reemphasize its cultural values. SAR Major of the Army Michael Grinson said Tuesday that while the TIMS app will evolve over time, its immediate goal is to provide leaders with resources that better inform their management's decisions. And I think another app is like the last fucking thing we probably ever fucking need for these fucking moonbat little shits who spend all their time online anyway. As anybody's been the show more than a day, one of my biggest complaints is that they gave them too much connectivity, and it cost us lives, specifically in Iraq. Um, not playing the back when I was a sarge and I had to go uphill both ways and the glass and freaking snow and all that shit. It was a lot easier fighting a war when you had mail. I'm just saying it. it it's a lot easier because you don't know about the broken washing machine that you really can't fucking fix anyway because you're not there. But everything's technology now, so I guess what are we going to do? So cue the crazy circus music. It's time for College Crazy, and we're going to start with college students talking about how important the 25th is, even though they don't fucking know what the 25th is. Hi, I'm Ophelia Jacobson with Campus Reform. Nancy Pelosi recently announced that she will be introducing a bill that would give Congress the power to remove President Trump from office using the 25th Amendment. Are college students willing to support this move, even if they may not know what the 25th Amendment is? Let's find out. Okay, so Pelosi's introducing a bill that would give Congress the ability to remove Trump from office using the 25th Amendment. Do you guys support this? I would support that. I think that, like, if all of Congress would agrees on it, uh, they should have the power to, like, check the president's power. If it's in the Constitution, then it must be right. Donald Trump specifically should be removed from office, but I don't think that that particular committee in Congress would be used wisely in the future. Do you support this? I do. I just believe that Donald Trump is really not taking pretty much the presidency as serious as he can be. I just can't see Trump in office anymore. At the moment, I would say no since we're so close to the election. Do you think that President Trump is unfit, either mentally or physically unfit, to perform his abilities as president? I mean, I haven't met him, but probably. Well, I believe he's been mentally unfit for a while. His mental health does not seem 
to par. One, he got COVID, and he's saying that it's not that big a deal, when it really is a big deal. I mean, honestly, I keep going back and forth on it myself. So if someone thinks that, you know, he's not fit to serve in office, then let their vote reflect that and let us see that in the upcoming election. Why do you say that he's unfit? He's been showing exceptionally poor leadership. Um, I believe mentally because of how he's reacting in office. I just don't agree with how he's running things, but I don't think he's unfit mentally or physically. What, what's your basis for his diagnosis? Just like his Twitter use and his general disposition and his saying not to be afraid of COVID. He's one of the big, biggest examples of narcissism. I just don't like seeing him. Everything about him just pisses me off. Do you know what the 25th Amendment is? I'm not as aware. I don't. I don't really know. Like, I... What does the 25th Amendment say? It's been a while since I've taken U.S. history, I'll admit. No, I'm a little fuzzy on that one. So do you know what the 25th Amendment is? I do not, not off the top of my head, no. Isn't the 25th Amendment that says that the president is, like, unfit to serve office if enough co- uh, cabinet members deem it necessary? You're the only person that I've interviewed today that knows that. So now that you know what the 25th Amendment is, would you still want her to be using it to remove him from office? I guess it wouldn't really make sense, in my opinion. Actually, I didn't know the tw- what the 25th Amendment was before you just told me. So, now I guess I wouldn't think that that's right. If Joe Biden were to get elected and put into office in November, do you think the same amendment and the same bill should be used to evaluate his ability to be in office as well because of his old age or maybe his cognitive ability? Um, I believe so. I mean, he is a little bit mentally unstable, but I think he get the job done pretty much. I would say that would be fair. If she does it for President Trump, do you think she should do the same thing for Joe Biden? I mean, technically, yes, that would be fair. I mean, gotta follow established precedents. Can't play favorites even if they're within your own party. I watched the recent debate, and he didn't seem um, to be in a mentally ill state. He actually seemed very there, very focused. But, I mean, within a couple of years, definitely that could change, and I think he should be evaluated. It sets a difficult precedent because it's like... Okay, so are we going to do this with every single president from now on? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's definitely important since we have the bo- we have now the two oldest presidential candidates ever. I definitely think the Twenty Fifth Amendment is going to start playing a huge role in how we, you know, basically critique our presidents and stuff. Hey there, my name is Hannah Catherine Smith and I'm with Campus Reform. To continue seeing videos like these, be sure to subscribe here. And if you're interested in becoming a member of the Campus Reform team as an investigator or a correspondent, you can join the team here. And if you'd like to help us continue making videos like these, donate here. You know, invariably, every time we do one of these stories about, you know, what do you think about this? And then you find out it's like a Republican statement. Or they think it's a public statement, and it turns out to be something Obama says, and they go, "Oh, I didn't know that." It's it's incredible in this social media world how uninformed these freaking little chia pet moon bats are. They really don't know anything because they're only taught dogma in K through twelve college. It's really fucking scary. And what's even more scary? cheesy segue we had a chalking oh my god we've had a chalking uw lacrosse students melt down over trump 2020 chalking oh my god <laughs> it's a drama i can't do it 
Students at the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse reported conservative sidewalk chalking around campus to school as a hate incident. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. The phrase included slogans like Trump 2020. What? That is horrible. How fucking unconscionable. Students also reported seeing the phrase UWL backs the blue. Oh, that's just na 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 na. Melissa Touche, a social justice reporter <laughs> for the Cat Press, spoke to several students about what she characterized in her news report as discriminatory phrases. One anonymous student told Touche, this incident felt like an attack on my identity and presence. Words written in chalk attacked my identity and presence. You know, you can just take some water and fucking get rid of the chalk. That's just me. What do I know? Another anonymous student immediately felt fear when they saw the Trump 2020 and UWL backs the blue chalking on the sidewalk. The anonymous student said that as someone who holds multiple marginalized identities. Yeah, we call that like psychotic, maybe? Are you fucking... What are you, Carrie? I'm trying to digest that statement, sorry. (laughs) I got one identity, bald fat guy. I had to deal with that. I I couldn't imagine taking on some more. It is important to have people out there who will support and stand in solidarity. The Trump 2020, UWL, Back the Blue, etc. messages definitely do not make me feel safe. Quite the opposite, actually. And any more I would read would just make us all want to vomit. And it's really early. It's 3 in the morning here. And they got woke up by the puppy. And I don't feel like vomiting, so let's move it on. Brown University researchers say Trump signs American flags scare and traumatize black people. Oh, yeah. It's the flag again. Goddamn fucking patriotism. And it's a tie-in to the Airbnb, so this professor talked about it, Buena, uh, she also called for a Greenberg version of the Airbnb so that BIPOC, once again, those that aren't woke, uh, black indigenous people of color, soon to be black indigenous gay people of color, they're really big about acronyms. I think it's because they didn't serve in the military and they know they're a bunch of fucking pussies. Anyway. American flag is just like the KKK. But she taught a class on it. So it's even better. You know, she read an article, saw it on Twitter, and said, let's just fucking take it to the next level. And you know another next level? Well, goddammit, we can't have body parts that are named after men. Because Australian professor wants to rename body parts named after men. Let's dig into that. Kristen Small, an Australian professor at Griffith University, according to American web media, is asking the World Health Organization, they'll probably do it if China says so, to change the name of body parts she thinks are irrelevant and misogynistic. Other than my penis, what part of me is misogynistic? I mean, my wife's got fingers and toes and arms and legs. She doesn't have a penis. Although sometimes I think she has bigger balls than me. Ba-bum-bum, rim shot. Anyway, in an interview with Courier Mail, she said, we had a personal choice to decolonize our language, and these historic terms will fade out. 
Small teaches anatomy at Griffith University in Australia, running a practice as an obstetrician and gynecologist. And there it is. You get too close to a vagina, you get stupid, I guess. Well, wait a minute. No, that sounds wrong. Because I like vagina. I don't know. Fuck it. Fuck it. Let's just move it along. Move it along. Nothing to see here. Envy NYU students arrested at Times Square. And they were protesting, of course. So they blame the police. Here's a post. Here I present a reminder of the true reality of the moment and the stakes that our country is in right now. To my knowledge, from the protesters against ICE, there was no destruction, no violence, and no officers hurt. Yet us protesters were the ones faced with violence and arrest while simply trying to exercise our First Amendment right. You don't have a First Amendment right to be in a place you're not supposed to be screaming fucking obscenities. I'm sorry. We'll see that soon, because we had the Women's March... And pro-life people got beat the fuck up. So, yeah. Yeah. We don't, I'm not reading anymore. Fuck these motherfuckers. It was another dire job. Children in cages. Trump's the devil. He took away my fucking cornflakes. Yeah, I got it. Better update the dictionary. Broken family out of wedlock are now racist terms. Yay! More fucking fascism. woo Two radical left-wing organizations are trying to remove bias from black family narrative in the media. According to Variety, and they put together a handy guide to help you keep track of which words and phrases have been officially canceled. The 49-page document, which dropped on October 13th, is called Changing the Narrative About Black Families and is intended to aid in avoiding inaccuracies or biased language that might turn society or an audience against black people and black families. Oh, really? I think the only thing you can turn us against uh, black families is them burning down our cities. Just an idea. It was put together by the Soros-funded color of change. Why do I find everything evil is associated with George Soros? But if I say George Soros, I'm an anti-Semitic person. Even though blacks are beating up Hasidic Jews every day in New York City... And that piece of shit, de Blasio and Cuomo, go after the Jewish population specifically for trying to go to church. That's not anti-Semitic. Oh, okay. Uh, They want a ban certain words, and it's straight out of the Black Lives Matter anti-nuclear family playbook. Among their list of harmful terms are broken family, broken home, absentee father, out of wedlock, baby mama, baby daddy, all of which they claim are not used to refer to white families in similar situations. Oh, bullshit. I see a lot of white people saying that's my baby my mama. My question is, are you going to make black people stop saying it? Because they're the ones that say it. The most. It isn't like I'm on my podcast going, what up to my baby mama? That's not a thing. That's a cultural thing. So now you're literally saying that you need to freaking stop using cultural references... That black people are using. So you're the fucking racist, Polly. Yeah. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. This was interesting. University of California. Let me zoom this shit up to like old man eyes. Uh, They have done a classification on what is white. So uh, they got African American, uh, American Indian... Asian white. This is now what falls into white. Afghan, Algerian, Armenian, uh, 
Azerbaijan, Georgian, Somalian. That is considered white, and white Caucasian is just European, other white Caucasians, and Middle Eastern white North African. This list, which I can't read because it's font zero, Turkish, Yemen, Tunisian, Syrian, Somalian, Saudi Arabian, those would be considered white. Oh really? Alien Omar is now on my team? Fuck no, take her back. I don't I don't want that piece of shit. No. Big fucking Negatron Batman. Ghost Rider. The pattern is full. No. Yeah, that's what they put out this week. That's some fucking chewed up bullshit. Then we have this fucking fantastic winner winner chicken dinner. UNT employee dresses down cancer clinic, screams at police officers. This is an employee, and it sounds a little bit like this. The and staff is top priority. Please be aware of the following changes due to COVID-19. All patients should wear a mask to their appointment. Hi, Kira. My name is Jessica. I'm a community advocate in the Denton area. I received a photo this morning of a Denton County Sheriff's deputy sitting in the office of Texas Oncology this morning without a mask on. I noticed when I called just now, the recording advised that all patients need to wear a mask when they come into the clinic. Are you all not enforcing that rule, or...? Okay. Hold on. Sure. Okay, Jessica, I can't find the project administrator, so let me get your your contact number. Okay, she'll give you a call back. Okay, thank you. Um, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hello? Work for Texas Oncology and Communications. Okay. And you you called our clinic in, I believe, in Denton today? Right. Okay, how can I help you? Well, I was contacted by a concerned citizen, a patient there, who was in the clinic this afternoon around 2 o'clock. They were concerned because, you know, they when they called to make their appointment, they were under the impression that everyone in the clinic would have to wear a mask. Uh, Everybody in the clinic does have to wear a mask. That's accurate. Well, they, there was a, a sheriff's deputy in the clinic who was not, and they took a picture of that sheriff's deputy in the clinic not wearing a mask. And we've had some issues with the sheriff's uh, department. Yeah, I'm aware of that, and so I'd like to address the photo. Um, first of all, everybody in the clinic, including our staff, and patients are required to wear a mask. From time to time, a patient may have to remove a mask, for example, if they have to have contrast for their procedure, they have to drink it, and so that requires removing the mask. And then they put it back on. But if somebody took a picture of patients in our clinic, they are violating the privacy rights of those two patients, unless they have written permission to take their picture because all of our patients have the right to privacy, as I'm sure you can understand and appreciate. 
Sure, you know? but I'm, I understand that, ma'am, but I'm, that's not the issue of my call. I mean, if you have a problem with people taking pictures in your clinic, that's something that your staff needs to address. Right, and we just addressed that with our staff this afternoon. Okay, so, but did you address the fact that the sheriff's deputy was allowed to not wear a mask? It, he had his mask on. It was off for a very brief time. That's not the report that we got. Well, I just talked to the clinic administrator and the clinic staff there. It was off for a very brief time. Okay, so you're claiming that the patient who reported this is lying? I'm not saying the patient that reported this is lying. Not at all. What I can tell you is if she took a picture of one or two patients without their written permission, that's a violation of their well, privacy I never rights. said she. You said one or two. Was there was there more than one person not wearing a mask? There was a, there were people in the clinic that needed to ingest contrast, which does require having the mask off for a brief time, and then the mask goes back on. Interesting, because the, the picture doesn't show them holding anything in their hands. They're not holding a drink. They're not holding. Okay. They're not but wearing masks at all. Can you appreciate that if you are a patient in a clinic? and somebody takes a photograph of you without your permission, that's not appropriate. Can you appreciate that in an oncology clinic where people uh, receive yes, treatment can. for yes, cancer, there would be a concern that Absolutely. sheriff's Absolutely. deputies are allowed to not wear their masks? I dispute that, that anybody is not wearing their mask. There may be brief times that somebody has their mask in the wrong place, or maybe they have the mask there's, pulled down. We ask them to put it back on. There's no mask on them at all. I haven't seen this photo, but the very fact that it exists is a violation of their privacy. I just find it interesting that you're more concerned about the photo evidence of the fact that this person is no. not wearing a mask you know, than you are... You know what I'm concerned about? I'm concerned about cancer patients in treatment uh -huh. who are sick, uh -huh. they're battling a disease... And they're being and exposed to... And people, aren't, wear, and people aren't wearing masks in your clinic office. Protecting them, you, they. I mean, you don't. You're not concerned about that. You're not concerned about the fact that people, the people aren't being made yes. to wear masks in the clinic office to protect those immune-sensitive pre-people. You seem more concerned about the picture than the threat posed to those lives, ma'am. So you know, what I was calling to get a statement to hear about whether or not you were enforcing the the ordinance. Whether and you're more concerned about defending the fact that you're not. Okay. That goes on for 20 fucking minutes. Let a conservative person talk to somebody like that. Let's see how far it goes. But it makes totally sense because with just one school and we do this every time we do a college crazy. Democrat employees at UPenn outnumber Republicans 13 to 1. 13 to 1. So, of course, there's tomfoolery all over the place. It just, yeah, it, it makes total sense. So, we're going to go into uh, the billboard to segue out of this and go into a great segment that I really miss doing. Gay shit. Yeah. Gay shit. Because they're their separate mafia group trying to make us all change pronouns and tell us we're trans homophobes because we're not gay or transgender. And I, I didn't cover it on the last podcast because, you know, it's just a given. The Billboard Music Award is going to be all fucked up. So 
Let's listen to Billboard Music Awards being fucked up. And then we'll come into Biden being fucked up. I just want to say um, thank you to Billboard, thank you to Atlantic, thank you to Team Lizzo, thank you to everyone who listened to my music and supported me. I just want to say I've been thinking a lot about suppression and the voices that refused to be suppressed. And I wonder, would I be standing here right now if it weren't for the big black women who refused to have their voices be suppressed? And... I just want to say right now, if you're at home watching this and you are thinking about changing yourself to feel worthy, this is your sign to remain true to who you are. Let me tell y'all something. When people try to suppress something, it's normally because that thing holds power. They're afraid of your power. There's power in who you are. There's power in your voice. So whether it's through music, protest, or your right to vote, Use your power, use your voice, and refuse to be suppressed. Thank you so much to Billboard. I love y'all. God bless y'all. Bye, bitch. <laughs> Where do I go? Hey, hey, hey. Bow, bow, bow. Little pump and cut. Hey, gang shit, gang shit, gang shit. How are you? Um, I'm good, thank you. Um, I'm the proud mom of two girls, eight and ten. My youngest daughter is transgender. The Trump administration has attacked the rights of transgender people, banning them from military service, um, weakening non-discrimination protections, and even removing the word transgender from some government websites. How will you, as president, reverse this dangerous and discriminatory agenda and ensure that the lives and rights of LGBTQ people are protected under U.S. law? I will flat out just change the law. Eliminate those executive orders, number one. You may recall, I'm the guy who said, uh, I was raised by a man who uh, I remember I was being dropped off. My, my, my dad was a high school educated, well-read man who uh, was a really decent guy. And I was being dropped off to get, get an application in the center of our city, Wilmington, Delaware, the corporate capital of the world at the time. And these two men, I'm getting out to get a, an application to be a lifeguard in the African-American community because it was a big swimming pool complex. And, uh, and these two men, well-dressed, leaned up and hugged one another and kissed one another. I'm getting out of the car at the light, and I turn to my dad. My dad looked at me and said, Joey, it's simple. They love each other. The idea that an 8-year-old child or a 10-year-old child decides, you know, I decided I want to be transgender. That's what I think I'd like to be. It may make my life a lot easier. There should be zero discrimination. And what's happening is too many transgender women of color are being murdered. They're being murdered. I mean, I think it's up to now 17. Don't hold me to that number, but it's it's it's, incre- it's, it's higher now. Yeah. And that's just this year. And so I promise you, there is no reason to suggest that there should be any right denied your daughter or daughters, whichever one or two, one, one your daughter, that your other daughter has a right to be and do. None. Zero. 
And by the way, my son Bo passed away, was the attorney general of the state of Delaware. He was the guy who got the first transgender law passed in the state of Delaware. And uh, because of a young man who became a woman uh, who uh, worked for him in the attorney general's office. We've got one more segment coming up. Now, I want to play before I destroy that fucking tomfoolery. A child, this was on TikTok, it was sent to me by Big Sis in Colorado. This is a child. He's probably around eight years old. What does LGBTQ plus mean? Like, is it the premium version of gay? (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure the plus name's like others. (laughs) Gay premium. Now, for the record, that is the cutest shit ever. All right, I'm not going to say that's not really super cute that a little kid says that. And there is some Disney plusism in that. All right, I'm not going to say there's not. But eight-year-old kids and this huge push they have to gayify the fuck out of everything because... They're just hateful fucking people. We have covered the gay mafia on this show since the day I started. The first podcast I ever did was a joke about the annoyance between vegans and gay people. And that being that vegans eat food that tastes like meat, but meat's supposed to be bad. And gay people mirror heterosexual relationships in some form or fashion. They just do. I mean, if you really look at it, there's always a male figure and there's a female figure. It's always, on both sides, there's always a male and a female. And if I was gay, which, you know, I'm not, but if I was gay, I'd want a lumberjack hairy motherfucker. If you like men, that's what you'd like, right? You wouldn't want a guy that acts like a girl. And if I was vegan, I wouldn't eat meat. Period. Even if it was mushrooms made to taste like a hamburger. Boca burgers are actually pretty good. I never went into the ultimate meatless Burger King fucking pandering bullshit. But children are too young to grasp this stuff. I Let's be honest. If you want to chop your dick off and make it a canoe... Go for it, man. Be a goat. Be an elf. We've covered that on the show. Complete elf. Motherfucker got ears all nine yards. His face is so fucked up and full of collagen and plastic, it's not even funny. But do you? I don't care. But when it comes to children, these ideas and grasping the concept of what your gender is, because now it's an issue and it's a construct, Unless you're talking about conservatives talking to female Democrats. Your orientation. All those things being rammed at little children. It's fucking criminal. I know you want to fucking increase your voter base and brainwash early. I got it, liberals. But this eight-year-old bullshit. At eight, your balls haven't descended. You don't even know you're a guy for fuck's sake. Let alone... I want to be a princess. And this shit just annoys the hell out of me. Because it's all agenda. 
and voters. How do I know? Well, Amy Coney Barrett blasted for anti-LGBTQ plus term sexual preference. Covered on last show. Guess where that article came from? The fucking advocate, which three weeks prior had used sexual preference. It's all a game. All it is is wordsmithing and a game. That's all it is. Because you people just want to be outraged. You always want to be outraged. Advocate again. Lovecraft country showrunner failed indigenous two-spirit character. First and foremost, I don't even know what that means. I've never grasped the two-spirit form of the LGBTQ umbrella. What are you, Indian homosexual? I mean, what the fuck did you, what the fucking fuck? That's why on the front of my Jeep it says I identify as a fucking Prius. It's just mocking you. This stuff is so mocked. You're just making shit up. And then you get pissed when the whole world goes, wow, dude. Because you're with the kids that were picked on. And now with Twitter, you're given the ability to pick on everybody else. Deep platform, docs, get people fired. Because they wouldn't call you Kiki, which is your preferred pronoun. But nobody's going to know your preferred pronoun is Gigi. And because we didn't know it was Gigi, you want everybody fired. I mean, get the fuck out of here with that shit. But you have all these teachers, two Texas teachers on harnessing Spirit Day every day because they're gay. Well, you know, once again, I'm a brisket man, bourbon, Green Bay Packers, and I believe in God and Jesus. If I was in your classroom making your kids wear Green Bay Packer guard, go away from fucking pulled pork and pray every day, you'd have a fucking kitten. Big time. But it's okay for you to jam spirit day down little kids. Once again, it's not about rights, not about taking care of people, making them feel welcome. It's about... You better do what the fuck we say. We'll ruin you. How do I know? Trans woman triumphantly changes name to Ellen Potter after sharing dead name with you-know-who's most famous wizard. So I was born Harry Potter, Ellen, a 24-year-old British citizen now based in Ohio, said. It was just a coincidence, but it's been challenging going through life with a famous name. Anyway, I got a legal name change because all of a sudden J.K. Rowling decided I like ovaries and I don't think ovaries should be succumbed to the LGBT mafia and women should have rights. But she's out. The dead name. Can I make all this stupid shit a dead name? Can I do that on Twitter? And you guys can, like, de-platform people because they talk about this dumb shit? Probably not. Republican governor who once signed a Save a Chick-fil-A bill just made it legal to discriminate against LGBT perp people. The lawmaker once above a mid-boycott pressured state regulatory board. The Texas Board of Social Work examined to make a change to its code of conduct. Flipping 2010 and 2012 LGBT plus protections, Abbott and Attorney General Ken Paxson pressured board leaders to vote to renege 
the rules in favor of homophobes, the Texas Tribune reported. The move was hailed by the country's top social work organization, the National Association of Social Workers, as incredibly disheartening. It comes after Abbott signed legislation in 2019 to bar businesses from being discriminated against for their anti-LGBT views. Discrimination is not tolerated in Texas, he said, somehow devoid of all irony. In here, no time to actually define that all he says is, you don't have to do this stupid shit. You don't have to have a transgender or gender-neutral bathroom. But for them, losing rights mean you didn't do what I said. And you better do that or else we will fucking boycott you. And every business has succumbed to this stupid shit that I guarantee nobody on the fucking board even knows what the fuck they're talking about. Then we got Tom Nichols. We usually cover him in politics, but he, he falls right here. If you vote for Biden hinges on any answer you might give about fracking or transgender issues or really any answer at all about almost any policy issue, then you're just not taking the stakes in this election seriously enough. That's what he said. And I, and then got a bunch of likes from people that weren't conservatives, said, well, that's the very reason why I voted against this dumbass. He didn't talk about anything. He talked about no policies, because he doesn't have to. As we'll see in the town hall. Charlotte Clymer ends our gay shit. I am surprised that Joe Biden gave such an emphatic answer on trans rights. No, he's been doing this for quite some time. He was the first national leader to publicly support trans rights back in 2012. I wrote about it for USA Today. And no, it was not a perfect answer. Biden stumbled over his words, as he sometimes does. The difference here is that so many of us have heard him speak movingly on this so many times in the past that we have good faith with an imperfect answer. Grace, we know his heart. Oh, really? David Harris saying, by 2012, this is not a dangerous political position on the left. I mean, I was taking the same position as conservative columnists in 2004 when it would have been tough, though Biden voted for DOMA. He never takes a risky position in his entire fucking life. And then Richard Grinnell, a gay person. Reminder, Joe Biden was against marriage equality when he and Obama ran for re-election. HRC and Charlotte Clymer were okay with it then. Down here later, he goes, Dick Cheney was for it before Biden was. We notice how you switch the subject. Dick Cheney, John Bolton, real Donald Trump all endorsed gay marriage before Joe Biden did. And Joe Biden called gays a security threat as a U.S. senator. These are facts, no matter your spin. Her response, or its response, since it's a dude that's now a female, no operation. Once again, for those new to the show, I will call you a woman when you, you, you do the big fucking big nasty. Chop it all off, become the other sex. You're now a female. I still believe in biology. Party of science. Yeah, okay. This is, of course, bullshit. As late as 2015, Trump was still saying he was supporting traditional marriage. Cheney stood by while his boss Bush tried to get a constitutional amendment passed banning same-sex marriage. Anything else, Richard? Any more fact checks you need? And he just destroys her. Because she's just making it up. It's not true. Biden has never been for anything risky. He's a straight down the middle guy who blows with the wind. 
It's very evident by his campaign right now. What the fuck has he talked about? I'm for fracking, but I'm against fracking. That's for fracking. Corp packing, no packing. We're going to pack. What the fuck? He doesn't say anything. He's a bumper sticker. People hand us some hand them little cue cards and he bumper stickers. But to show that the game mafia is still pretty powerful, even though they're getting stepped on by the BLM Antifa Destroy America pack. As we go into everything's racist. Yeah, they're still talking about black trannies over here. Because remember, they're the top of the intersectionality scorecard. They outrank everybody. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. Raquel Willis, and I am so honored to be on the Route 100 list this year. It is wild to be considered influential, and I just charge all of the other honorees to continue to elevate and uplift the names of other phenomenal Black folks who are moving our culture in a more positive, liberatory direction. For me, it's about honoring Black transgender would not be where we are culturally and socially as a whole black community without the contributions of black trans folks of yesteryear. This year, there are probably more black trans folks honored on the list than ever before, and I'm in such amazing company. I hope that we will continue to elevate their work and the work of so many other black, queer, trans people. Um, who are windows of possibility into a world where we're all less encumbered by restrictive ideas of who we're supposed to be. You know, this whole thing is kind of comedic when you break it down because that's not what African Americans think, all right? That's not their first and most important thing. Gay rights and transgender rights and all this other bullshit are way low on the totem pole. But you can't tell that in colleges or in our media because we're still stuck on everything is racist, which is why it's our little soundbite to start this section. Professors, parents should discuss racism with their children beginning at three. No. How about colors, numbers? Let's learn our ABCs and then we can brainwash the kids. University of Minnesota offer lecture teaching 12-step AA-type program to recover from being white. <laughs> so let's all listen to the 12 steps and try to reform. Number one, we admitted that we had been socially conditioned by ideology of white supremacy. Yeah, no. Two. We came to believe that we could embrace our ignorance as an invitation to learn. Big Negatron. Three, we developed support systems to keep us engaged in this work. We journeyed boldly inward, exploring and acknowledging ways in which white supremacist teaching have been integrated into our minds and spirits. Kind of like intersectionality? That's more dangerous right now. Intersectionality makes people burn down buildings. Five, we confess our mistakes and failings to ourselves and others. 
six, we were entirely ready to deconstruct previous ways of knowing as they have been developed through the lens of white supremacy. So you need to dump everything. You don't know shit anymore. Well, that's basically what they're saying to begin with. You don't know shit because white people wrote those books. Okay, that's not racist. Seven, we humbly explored new ways of understanding proactively, seeking out new learning and reconstructing a more inclusive sense of reality. Really? Almost everything you guys come up with is not based in reality. You understand that, right? That gender's a construct, not biology. Ooh, Step eight, we committed ourselves to ongoing study of our racial biases, conscious or unconscious, and our maladaptive patterns of white supremacist thinking. Nine, we developed strategies to counteract our racial biases. Ten, we embraced the responsibility of focusing on our impact more than our intentions in our actions with people of color. I already got that step down. I don't say anything. People of color do whatever they want. Take my shit, burn my house down. I deserve it because I'm white. Did I get that part right? Did I get an A teach? 11, we engage in daily practice of self-reflection. And 12, we committed ourselves to sharing this message with our white brothers and sisters and siblings in order to build a supportive recovery community and to encourage personal accountability within our cultures, which means don't talk to any of your family anymore unless they also think like you. Got it? Moving on. Ohio State professor says Clarence Thomas not authentically black. Really? So we're all fucked up over here, but I just didn't fall out of the pumpkin truck. Black people got a lot of problem with light-skinned blacks and people that are skin folk, not kin folk, and all that bullshit. Maybe you should get the bag of garbage off your fucking doorstep before you come over here and tell me I need to fix my shit. I'm just saying. Because then you got Ice Cube, a dude that we would not say is conservative or a Trumper. Ice Cube working with Trump administration was dumb and naive. Here's why. And he is out now. The guy who did N-word with attitude is out because he worked with the Trump team, just like Van Jones. And they're no longer good black people. And then once again, from the root, this is an NBC Universal website. I'm rooting for everybody black. Let's think about that for a while. Really? Let's, Let's look at that. Could you say that for any other race? We're supposed to all be so concerned about the white supremacist all over the internet that I don't see. But I see a lot of black supremacists, and that's okie-dokie artichokey, because that's a supremacist. I mean, we've already changed prejudice to racist, so we, we've just taken all these words and made them nothing. Because racist was acting on it. Prejudice was just having a feeling. I don't like chicken. That's prejudice. But now that, I don't like people burning my house down, makes you racist. Because you've acted on it by just thinking. Because words and thoughts. No, 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 no. We can't have that. Are you fucking crazy? San Francisco Board of Education Commissioner. Merit is an inherently racist construct designed and centered on white supremacist framing. So we don't want any merit. We don't want people on time. 
We don't want any of that shit. And then you get to the crux. These are the same people that say everybody's taking away their rights and we need to fucking goddamn get rid of white people and Trump and we need to hire the other white guy because he's woke or whatever the fuck they're saying. This is the Damon Young guy that we've covered in depth that's a fucking racist. This is his article. I'd rather wait in line for hours for a Popeye's chicken sandwich than to vote. Because the reality is, the left is still trying to make that magic in the bottle. And that magic in the bottle was a okay for us white guy that had a white mom. Because we read those things on the show. I mean, they didn't like Obama. He wasn't truly black enough. But that got him out to vote. And they keep thinking they can get it with an old white chick. Didn't work. And now you're trying to do it with an old white guy and a black gal that they don't like because she put a lot of people in jail for minor drug possessions. But that article doesn't bode very well. I'm just saying. And then our last segment, butthead professor Ibrahim Kendi X got very triggered by GOP Senator John Kennedy calling him the butthead. We played it on the show. Here's his tweet. So instead of striving to be anti-racist, they proclaim I'm not racist while continuing to be racist and attacking the person calling them racist. They ignore or deny the racist harms and call the people pointing them out hurtful and divisive. What a destructive cycle. No, I'm sorry. I disagree with the semi, you know, woke people that are my, I guess my kin, because we're talking about skin, because that's how the whole world is right now, that skin is so important. When I don't look at white people and go, those are my peeps, I, I just don't. Somehow, some way, you have lost, that you're the racist, dude. Everything I've ever written about you is you're, you're just a racist. When all you do is spend all your time looking for this is racist and that's racist, you become racist. And that's what you are. So we're going to end our news and social media nuggets with um, the Women's March. Because it falls nicely in this. Now remember... These people were burning shit down and fucking things up and saying they're going to blow up the White House on Inauguration Day. And the media was all down with it. All right. They thought it was fucking fantastic. And, you know, let's be honest. They they literally covered every fucking thing these Wahoos said. They, they just did. And somehow, some way, people finally did their job and found out that these people are anti-Semitic fucks. Everybody involved with it, especially Linda Sassauer, a fucking Islamist. But it took a paper that now is no longer in to disclose it and break it off. So, yesterday when I tuned in for this shit... CNN was covering it like it was the greatest thing ever. 
And I want to tie it into our This is America, and I was going to put it at the end, but it it works better here, because we're still going to talk about how much Cuomo's lying about COVID. But we spend all our time talking about mass shame. You didn't hear anything about all these motherfuckers spreading that shit, because somehow, once again, BLM, Antifa, Women's March, anything lefty, even Harris and Biden's campaign getting COVID that we'll cover today on the media's Not making a big deal out of it like they did with Trump. It's ordained by God on high, which doesn't exist to these people, but whatever. And they can't spread. But that was never covered on CNN, which we're going to listen to. But in this soundbite, you're going to hear grown man feminists screaming at a pregnant woman at the Women's March because pro-life showed up. And why shouldn't they? We don't cover the March for Life. It doesn't get aired on any network, including Fox. The only time it's been aired that I've been doing this podcast was when Trump went. And then you have a Women's March protester screaming at pro-life pregnant woman to play her baby's heartbeat on a sonogram. And then some females then attack another pro-life woman for mask shaming because they're fucking Karens. And then when we come back to the soundbite, they went full fucking Karen and beat a woman up. side all these young women that are out here against the pro-life movement what would you say i would just hope they listen and i've had open ears to this heartbeat and to what we have to say because we're not here to fight anyone we're just here to say hey we want all women to be included whether they're born unborn black white different opinions different genders you name it we're leaving women out by by having this conversation by them yelling at me saying f off go home and your kids should be aborted. That's disgusting. That's right. not that's not feminism. Thank you so much. Please, please be safe out here. Excuse me, sir. What are you what are you yelling about? It's pretty clear what we're yelling about. Well if they wanna yeah. we're yelling about a lot. Right. Okay. We're yelling about a lot. Right, right. now. Are you yelling at the pregnant lady over there? I am yelling at the pregnant lady there. Why? She represents 
the pro-life movement. And it's their choice. I'm supporting them. I'm not yelling at the person. I'm yelling at the movement. So, yeah, you're yelling at a pregnant woman at the women's march, right? I'm yelling at the movement. Right, but I saw you screaming I'm at a woman's face. I am. Pregnant. I am. And this is a women's march, right? I am. Are you a feminist? It says you're a feminist, I am. right? Women that do I am. not support women. They do not support Thank you. women. Thank you. Men, men, I'm yelling for them. Men. Men should be yelling at women. Why don't you try manning up and yell for a woman? All right. I, if I was, if I manned up, I'd yell at a woman like him. No, wait. These people do not support women. They don't support women's rights to choose. Right, but you see the irony there, right? This grown man's yelling at a pregnant woman, right? I'm yelling at you too. Huh? I'm yelling at you too because you're just as ignorant. You can yell at me all you want, dude. I don't care. All right, so at the women's march, we have people, grown men yelling at women that are that are coming. Uh, now, so Suzanne, the 2020 march, you know, cannot be, you know, like the one in 2017 because of the COVID-19 pandemic. But what is the picture being painted there? Right, I can see the stark differences because I actually covered that 2017 march where it was nearly 5 million people across the country who took to the streets, including 200,000 in Washington, D.C. It was like a sea of these pink hats uh, in solidarity of women. And the energy back then, uh, people were stunned. They were shocked. There was even desperation the day after President Trump was inaugurated. Today, the crowd is much, much smaller. The organizers themselves discouraging people from actually coming out here in great numbers. Uh, they don't have buses from other cities that they're taking folks into. Uh, they want you to participate virtually, but I'd say uh, probably about several thousands of them uh, have gathered here in Washington. They're starting here. It's a rally that will only be about 20 minutes or so with Black Lives Matter, women's rights groups, reproductive groups as well. And then they will make their way. They will march uh, to the U.S. Capitol, to the Supreme Court, and finally to the National Mall. That is where the real work is going to be done, Fred. They're calling it a text-a-thon. They're going to try to text five million women to encourage them to vote. This is uh, what some of the folks have to say part of the march. It's, it's a mess. It's really, really a mess. I am very, very fearful of our democracy. I thought it was thriving and nothing could ever happen, but clearly it's a lot more fragile than we understood it to be. As a man, I come from women. Uh, I come from a single mother. And uh, with a society that supports women, the entire society becomes better. If you have women make more money, then that means there's more money for them to raise their kids, and there's more money for them to take care of their kids. If there's more money for them to take care of their kids, that means that these kids are better educated, that they're more well-rounded, and that they can contribute to society more. Fred, they're also out here to oppose the fast-tracking of approving uh, Judge Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. They want to slow down that process until after the election, but it looks like that is going full steam ahead. We also expect counter-protesters at the Supreme Court giving their support for Judge Barrett. And so a lot of energy, a lot of passion here in Washington as they press to register people to vote more than just about two weeks away from the election, Fred. Unsurprisingly, as much as I searched, I couldn't find the speakers like before. That stuff was put out there, that crazy-ass Deborah Messing. But you had uh, just watch handmaids dump water on these pro-life protesters and replies to this thread. 
I've always said this, women are more cannibalistic toward other women than a man could ever be. They're screaming at themselves, oops, she called it a child. See, when you wordsmith, eventually you fuck up and call things that you're not supposed to call it. It's supposed to be a clump of fucking cells. She reflectively called it a baby and a child because we all know the truth. Um, so the unhinged feminist admits it's a child in the womb. The woman said, I want to kill myself if I was that baby. So she admits the unborn baby is alive. And then you get the young female Trump supporter, braver than me, who went there in Trump garb. She had a flag. Tolerant left has repeatedly made a stand with violence in this country and burning down communities, riot and looting. They have proven to be the antithesis of what they preach. The story of Isabel De Luca is no different. Isabel was attending the Women's March in Washington, D.C. today to show support for Supreme Court nominee ACB. DeLuca was toting a Trump 2020 flag to not only show support for her, but also the president. DeLuca was approached and assaulted while attending the rally by a woman she described as a geriatric older female, according to the National File. The first woman was a white older woman. She had glasses on, a glitterly bedazzled BLM shirt. She looked like she couldn't could have been my grandma. Black Lives Matter protesters grabbed DeLuca's flag and was punched in the face when attempted to retrieve it. This caused other members of the Women's March to join in hitting, pushing, and punching DeLuca. DeLuca was hospitalized and given a cervical collar due to the extent of the injuries, and according to the national file, she has extensive head and neck injuries and her lips bloody, also enduring blurry vision and dizziness. This article ends with, this is the American left wants, their views over ours, and disagree. Be prepared to be beaten. And she got the beatdown. This is one of how many? I mean, for four fucking years, all I've shown is these fucking people beating people for wearing another shirt. And once again, I don't think it's great to wear the shirt. I don't wear political garb. I don't go out in the street and wear fucking anything that would incite problems other than Green Bay Packer jerseys or shit like that. But when you really break it down, could you imagine some people beating down some motherfuckers or some hope and changey? I mean, really think about that. How would that go over in our media? Oh, yeah, it'd be white supremacists again. Those goddamn white supremacists. They're fucking everywhere, you know. They're in your toilet. But somehow, someway, this goes totally unreported because we don't do it. We don't talk about stuff like this. It would hurt the fucking left. We bury it. But every video, I could have played an hour of video just on this, but I'm not because I'm trying to be a reformed podcaster. They're vile. As we go out and listen to a pro-life person who was Aerosmith's lead singer and was forced to have a fucking abortion as our music break, when you listen to the violence bumper that we'll come into, it's just a short violence section today, folks, those are women's marchers in front of Trump Tower at the end. Why would you do a bullet? I'm fucking idiot. Unhinged people who think the biggest thing in liberty is killing a baby. Really think about that. That is liberty to them. And they're just on the wrong side of America. 
Amy Coney Barrett got hammered all week by Democrats on the Roe v. Wade decision. Here's part of it. The right to a safe and legal abortion is at stake. And sadly, it's not just the Affordable Care Act that's at stake. It's a woman's right to decide when and how to have a family. They're scared that the clock will be turned back to a time when women had no right to control their own bodies. And that, without Roe v. Wade, our country looks like people being denied the ability to make decisions about their own bodies. Not just while they're pregnant, but being stripped of the right to plan for their futures. You heard a lot from childless ideologues like Cory Booker this week about abortion, you heard very little from people who have actually had abortions, and so tonight we thought we would speak with one. Julia Holcomb was once the fiancé of musician Stephen Tyler. At that time, she had an abortion. She watched the hearings this week, and we thought we'd hear her response to them. Julia, thanks so much for coming on tonight. I appreciate it. So what did you think as you, you, as you watched this? Well, I was thrilled that she was there as a candidate for the Supreme Court. I thought that she was a a great uh, potential justice, and I'm happy that she was nominated. I think that the left likes to portray um, abortion as pro-woman, and mm -hmm. my story is a very personal example of how abortion damages women and how coercive it is. So I met Stephen when I was just 16 years old, and he became my legal guardian. I was his ward. And I became pregnant while I was still a teenager. I can remember coming to him and telling him that I was expecting a baby. And he reassured me that everything would be all right, that um, we would get married, and you know, not to worry that he would take care of me. I asked to see a doctor and set up a prenatal visit, and he refused. He said, no, you can't go to a doctor. Um, they would ask questions about how old you are and how you became pregnant and who the father is. So, you know, you can't, you can't go to the doctor. And so that was really the first moment where I began to worry. Along the way, Stephen had a change of heart, and he made the decision that he wanted me to have an abortion. He came to me. He told me that his lawyers had set up a doctor. This was very early after Roe v. Wade had been decided, so there hadn't been many abortions. And I was pretty far along because I had thought I was going to be able to keep my baby. I was at least five months along, but I don't know for sure because I had not been allowed to see a doctor. And he came to me and told me that uh, I was going to have to have an abortion. And it didn't really matter how I begged to keep my baby. That decision really wasn't going to be in my hands. It came down to I could have the abortion or I could hit the street. Now, I, was, I had dropped out of high school to live with Stephen. I had never been taught to drive. I had no car, no money. I was completely dependent upon Stephen in every way. So I was terrified, and I just caved in out of fear. And... I went through a horrific late-term saline abortion that was just <laughs> traumatizing. I, it it yeah. took years to recover from that experience. You know, sometimes we can think that coerced abortions only happen somewhere like China, where women are forced to undergo abortions against their will. But the truth is that coerced abortions happen Everywhere abortion is legal. And a woman can become pregnant, and the first thing she has to do is defend her baby's right to be born. She has to defend her right to become a mother. And this is not a position of strength for any woman to be in. 
I look at Amy Coney Barrett and I see a woman who is very strong. She has a family, she has a career, she has a husband, a successful marriage and home, and she is a gift to her community and to the country. What you're describing so, doesn't sound like liberation to me at all. No, no. I tell you, I've traveled around the country speaking at pro-life events, and after I've Given my talk, sometimes I'll get to visit with people that are there, and women have come up to me and shared their stories. There are so many women out there who have been through traumatic abortions, and it stays with them, that grief. I've got, I've got to ask you, Julia, what, uh, since you brought up Stephen Tyler, you've named it, we put his picture on the screen. What does he think of this now? Well, even Stephen uh, experienced the regret after having gone through the ordeal of my abortion. He wrote in his book, uh, his reaction was, Jesus, what have I done? And certainly that is an illustration of how traumatic it was, even for Stephen. And he's not exactly a tender-hearted, sensitive person. He's a you know heavy metal rocker, and that was his reaction. I think a lot of people feel that so, way. I appreciate your coming on tonight, Julia. That's a... Well, Thank moving story and a perspective that we don't hear enough because there are many perspectives on this and you have a legitimate one, I think. Great to see you. Thank you. Thank you. While the media calls it peaceful, we call it the violent left. I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. Enemies of the state. Show me where it says that protest is supposed to be polite and peaceful. Do something about your dad's immigration practices if that was... When they go low, he kills. How do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck? The biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right, to the right. I thought he should have punched you in the face. So even if you lost, he insulted your wife. Yes. He came down the escalator and called Mexicans rapists and murders. He said, well, what do you think I should have done? He said, I think you should have punched him in the face and then gotten out of the race. Yeah. You would have been a hero. I'd like to punch him in the face. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Punch some people in the face! When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump, and that's a fact. The country is white men, most of them radicalized right to the right. All punches are not equal morally. And please, show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Apparently I am the shadow president of the United States or something. I'm troubled by our politics as it has moved away from spirited debate to a vile, vituperative, hate-filled morass that is unbecoming of any free nation, Senator Mitt Romney tweeted this morning. Mitt, you just noticed this? This has been happening since 1990, and it was started by Newt Gingrich and Rush Limbaugh and those other fascists. The president calls the Democratic vice presidential candidate a monster. He repeatedly labels the Speaker of the House crazy. He calls for the Justice Department to put the prior president in jail. He attacks the governor of Michigan on the very day a plot is discovered to kidnap her. And yet, Mitt, there you are, running away from your own commitment to stop this fascist would-be dictator Trump, dining with him, auditioning for his cabinet, and now supporting him as he railroads a Supreme Court nominee past the very rules your own party made up out of thin air in 2016. But go on. 
Democrats launch blistering attacks of their own, though their presidential nominee refuses to stoop as low as others. Pelosi tears up the president's State of the Union speech on national television. Keith Olbermann calls the president a terrorist. Media on the left and the right. Wait, what? Pelosi tears up the president's State of the Union speech on national television. Keith Olbermann calls the president a terrorist. Trump, Governor of Michigan, Biden, Pelosi, Olbermann. One of these things is not like the other. I just want to clarify it here. I am not affiliated with any political party. I don't work for any news or commentary outlet, and I have not been elected to any office. But I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. As one Twitter respondent to Mitt Romney's unfortunate missive today, the former Obama spokesman and Pod Save America co-host Tommy Veter said, it's long past time to break ground on a both sides museum in Washington, D.C. This comparison of the president of the United States to Keith Olbermann must be preserved for future generations. Agreed. Honestly, Senator Romney, I'm the best you can do? Or from the other vantage point, I'm the worst you can do? You are one of the Franz von Poppens of this nightmare, our equivalent of the German conservative politician who helped get Hitler elected and then said, don't worry, quote, within two months we'll have pushed him so far into the corner that he'll squeak. You, Mitt Romney, have enabled a terrorist to occupy the Oval Office. Trump is a stochastic terrorist. Terrorism by proxy. He praises the white supremacist militia terrorists in Michigan, repeats their demands. The next thing you know, they are scouting out the governor's summer home and planning to kidnap her. Trump praises his Second Amendment people. And the next thing you know, a 17-year-old gun nut has crossed state lines to start shooting at unarmed protesters in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Trump tacitly endorses the paranoid, delusional QAnon cult. And the next thing you know, one of its Kool-Aid drinkers bursts into a kid's pizza parlor brandishing an AR-15 because he really believes the bullshit on a psychotic chat room board. And Trump is also a direct terrorist, Senator. What is he doing to his own supporters, if not terrorizing them? He tells them a Democratic president would burn down the cities and destroy their suburbs and eliminate the borders and allow foreign gangs in to kill them. All that, Senator, is terrorism. He's a terrorist. And you, Mitt, you have stood by and watched and done nothing, except a tweet. The country is metaphorically ablaze, and you are yelling at those of us trying to warn people and put out the fire by complaining that... That goes on for 20 fucking minutes. That guy is so goddamn goddamn unhinged. It's not even funny. But I play it because it ties into all this stuff that we're living right now. Because the left gets away with it. Rush Limbaugh goes off on like that. You you hear about it in the nightly news. He does it. And now Romney's a bad guy. Which he was a good guy. or I don't know where he's at. He was horrible when he ran against Obama. But now he's a good guy because he hates Trump. You know how it works. It's like McCain. McCain was dead. He was a bastard. He would fucking kill America. And then he was a good dude because he blocked the banning, getting rid of the ACA, even though that piece of shit, no offense, because I know he's died, and he's a war hero. His whole campaign was based on the ACA. Just a fucking hypocrite because he changed views because he just didn't like Trump. But these people get away with it. We play that montage at the end of the show of all the left calling for violence. Dem, Dem Connecticut Senator Blumenthal on Barrett. 
Our main and last best hope is for American people to tell my colleagues, vote against this nominee and delay it until after the election. Those protests have to occur outside Washington or even in the streets. And Lady Jane asks, is he asking for trouble? So he's calling for protests again? We keep protesting. We keep burning shit. They keep calling for it. Yet never, ever, fucking, ever, 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 ever do we hear them being held accountable for it. And why is that, boys and girls? I mean, I understand you hate Trump, but a motherfucker shot up a baseball field in 17, and Trump got blamed for it. That motherfucker was a Bernie supporter. I'm just saying. And then we have more lib freakouts. This is what happens when you keep saying it's the end of democracy. We're all going to die. I don't know if you feel the way that I do, but I feel like we're living in an alternate universe here. That something has happened to the United States of America. And we're all grasping and trying to hold on to our democracy. I see what's going on in Texas. The vote is being repressed. This is evil. This is wrong. The Republicans have to stop. I'm terrified. Listen to me, Republicans. Listen. You are the people in history they warned us about. They warned us about people like you! Pay attention! We're losing our democracy! Wake up! Wake up! Once again, we've spent a lot of time talking about Trump and his dog whistles. These motherfuckers outright call for shit, and we don't even talk about it. And then you have people like that just losing their shit. Then you get this. Wisconsin man admits to firing first shot on the night of Kyle Rittenhouse shooting. Because the media did that all wrong and caused more violence. Kyle Rittenhouse will not face gun charges in Illinois after investigations showed he never possessed the rifle there. Because, once again, we just don't go after the person. We go after him with everything we can. Yet there was no coverage of the guy who killed somebody in Portland. That was a non-story. That was something we just didn't talk about. Because why would we? I mean, let's think about it, boys and girls. Why would we talk about anything like that? It doesn't fit the narrative. And goddamn, we gotta have narrative. One person in custody accused of setting a Seattle police cruiser on fire while officers were inside the vehicle. Once again, not national news. We have covered how many articles about the poor two Harvard students who lit a car on fire and there just happened to be no cops in there and all of a sudden we're being mean to them and they're losing their whole life for a moment of fucking fervor. Remember us covering that on the show? 
Fucking garbage. BLM-minded high school to hold disciplinary hearing for student who posed socialist on Instagram. Another case of a school imposing their politics on the students. Dave Batista calls Trump supporters small crowds of idiots. And then we get the big nasty. Paris teacher decapitated for allegedly showing students cartoons of Muhammad. Breaking. Man beheaded on a street near Paris. Suspect shot dead by police. Teachers showed students Muhammad cartoons decapitated in Paris terror attack. Update. Victim of Paris beheading identified as a teacher who showed drawings of the Project Muhammad during lessons about freedom of expression. Open terror probe after fatal stabbing in Paris suburb. Police said the shot dead a man suspected of killing a middle school teacher by slitting his throat. Witness heard the attacker shout, Ali Akbar, or God is great. Now why am I covering this? This is not America. This is our media. The gray lady. Because once again, we attack Christians... We say it's all those boogeyman fucking white supremacists that nobody can show us after the tiki torch is over. French police shoot and kill man after a fatal knife attack on the street. That's their headline. No Ali Akbar, no beheading, no, hey, it was a guy showing a picture. And the Arab dude lost his shit. No, we didn't do that. Yet we've had these sensationalistic sound bites and clicks about every altercation during the summer of fucking love, as Seattle said, as BLM and Antifa fucked the entire country up. What the fuck is wrong with them? Why is every headline on the New York Times based on politics and what they fear from the Twitter law, Twitter mob? Why? Los Angeles City Council votes to create a crisis response team for nonviolent 9-11 calls. We already showed that the first fucking time this happened in California, they did a traffic stop and they were killed. But yeah, you go with that shit. More censorship. Amazon censors, excuse me, Amazon refuses fact-based Michael Brown doc from streaming library. What killed Michael Brown? Filmmaker Shelby Steele, a senior fellow at Stanford's Hoover Institute that had studied race relations for decades, told conservative outlets his hypothesis that Amazon Prime rejected his documentary because it doesn't fit the preferred take about what happened to the African-American teenager. Our side is not the politically correct narrative, he claimed. And isn't that the truth? Because we still have people in the streets saying, hands up, don't shoot. That's still a thing. Once again, because the shitty media reported it and then denied that it was true. It took Holder and Obama saying it, and they still had pictures on CNN 
of all their people, hands up, don't shoot. And it all ties in to politics as we go into the town hall comparison. Enjoy. Every day, my wife and I are in disbelief at the lack of coordinated federal action on COVID-19. We know that your administration would follow the science. What would your administration do in terms of following the science with real concrete policies that haven't been done by the current administration. Merrick Garland didn't get a hearing for all of 2016, and Amy Coney Barrett's being pushed through at the last minute, even though millions have already voted. So what do you think about ideas from um, people like Pete Buttigieg and others to put in place safeguards that will help ensure more long-term balance and stability? And what do you say to LGBTQ Americans and others who are very worried right now about erosions of their rights and our democracy as a whole. But how about that question of expanding the court? Here's what you said exactly one year ago tonight at a Democratic debate. You said, I would not get into court packing. I would not pack the court. That's not what you're saying now. Is the nomination of Judge Barrett reason enough to rethink your position? I'm the proud mom of two girls, eight and ten. My youngest daughter is transgender. The Trump administration has attacked the rights of transgender people banning them from military service, um, weakening non-discrimination protections, and even removing the word transgender from some government websites. How will you, as president, reverse this dangerous and discriminatory agenda and ensure that the lives and rights of LGBTQ people are protected under US law? President uh, uh, discharged from the hospital today, and he takes his mask off with other people who appear to be somewhat nearby. Did you see it? Did you hear about it? What's your reaction, sir? Shouldn't you have known better? Shouldn't the White House know better than to hold an event like that? Do you believe a grieving military family gave you COVID? All of your public health officials, your administration, they're in unison John. about this. So when you hear that this president was infected with COVID-19, were you surprised? You Does are the matter? big deal maker. That's How come right. this is so up? Right. You yourself have changed positions. Go, go People's shitty. lives are hanging you in the what? balance. Are Senate the Republicans with you? They're going to go big they'll for go. big yeah, old yeah, number? They'll go. They'll go. They're going to be okay, very Okay, so far they have not I said know, they would. Hearing that he was infected, did you have a moment of pause, of worry, of concern for your own safety? You were asked point blank to denounce white supremacy. In the moment, you didn't. I denounce white supremacy. Okay. What's your next question? Do you feel... It feels sometimes you're hesitant to do so, like you wait a bit. The recent polls said 65% of Americans think the president bears some responsibility for contracting this virus. Do you agree? You were sowing doubt about our democracy. How, how our democracy. Why are you laying the groundwork for that right now? You've repealed, but you haven't replaced. Now, you've been no, in an office no. almost four years, you, but the, the promise the was repeal and replace. Who do you owe $421 million okay, to? It was an ugly debate. I think most people believe that the president was interrupting you. I don't get it because I don't get that because... I mean, are you trying to suggest that? This so is a little bit ready? of a dodge. That is a handful. We could go all night, which we won't. No, but no, we could go happening. all we were supposed to, as mentioned, be watching you on a debate stage right now. We're not doing that, so let's clear up a few things from the last one. You were asked point blank to denounce white supremacy. In the moment, you didn't. You asked some follow-up questions. Who specifically? 
a couple of days later on a different show, oh, you, you, you denounced white supremacy. No, you My question to you is, you've done this to why me does and it seem like... I denounced white supremacy, okay? You did I've two denounced days later. white supremacy for years, but you always do it. You always start off with a well, question. You didn't ask Joe Biden whether or not he denounces Antifa. I watched him on the same basic show with Lester Holt. And he was asking questions like Biden was a child. Well, well so th this so is a little bit ready? of a dodge. Are you, wait, are you listening? I denounce white supremacy. Okay. What's your next question? Do you feel, it, it feels sometimes you're hesitant to do so. Like you hesitant. wait a bit. Here we go again. Every time, in fact, my people came. I'm sure they'll ask you the white supremacy question. I denounce white supremacy. Those candidate town halls aired at the same time, but couldn't have felt more different. The president pressed about his health, his taxes, and the bogus conspiracy theory he's refusing to denounce. Joe Biden was happy to talk about policy details, eager to draw contrasts with the president on everything from the pandemic to the economy and climate change. Biden clearly enjoying the town hall format, put on his mask and stayed long after it was over to take even more questions from the audience. These two town halls were as different as the candidates themselves. Joe Biden spending much of the night looking ahead, outlining his plans for the future, while the president, often combative, spent much of the night on defense. It was clear that Joe Biden was really enjoying this rare opportunity to interact with voters. He didn't want to leave. He hung around for quite some time chatting with voters, answering their additional questions. On one hand, you had Joe Biden, thoughtful, reflective, occasionally long-winded, uh, talking about specific policy proposals, legislation. And on the other hand, you saw a very combative Donald Donald Trump uh, offering very little in the way of specifics uh, to what he would do in, in, a, in a second term. It was an eye-opening performance from the president. He refused to denounce a dangerous conspiracy theory and appeared to make stunning admissions about his financial records. The former vice president took questions on a wide range of issues. His exchange with voters was far less contentious than the president. Is anybody really surprised by that? I mean, the man has been asked anything since jump. This has been the easiest. It's more easier about Hillary. Hillary, they literally asked her about her emails. They've asked him nothing from jump because they don't want the Twitter mob. I mean, remember, this stuff was caustic. Calls for Chuck Todd and boycott NBC surface over Network's upcoming town hall. They wanted people fired. Ben Smith. Um, he's from the, uh, what's Ben Smith? New York Times. Enormous pressure on NBC now to make this thing a nightmare for Trump. Molly Hemingway. Trump's message is that the media and other powerful institutions are completely corrupt in service of their partisan agenda. They seem intent on proving him right day after day. Uh, T.W. Hicks. We don't have implicit bias. Ben Smith. Hold my fucking beer. And we covered so many on the last time. But there was a hundred Hollywood figures. J.J. Abrams. Ava DuVernay. Mariska Hargandy. All these people, almost everybody you see on NBC, because that one lady is the one that used to be on uh, fucking the crime special units bullshit. They zoomed on her face way too fucking much. It was annoying. So we stopped watching it. That is how much bias we have. They didn't want any airtime. And the funny thing is, before I get into the little netnoid stuff on this, folks, more people watch Biden than Trump. 
But that's what it was about. They don't want that message out. That's why they won't air a minute of Trump ever. That's why they cut out of his shows and they show Biden sparingly because right now he's talking on 120-inch fucking teleprompters that have like four-inch words in front of socially distanced cars. That's all over Twitter, too. It's pretty bad. But these things are cooked. I mean, you really can't get a fair town hall for a Republican. You never could. You know, I watched CN, uh, SNL last night. It was horrible, not funny as usual. But they had a SNL from 88 on. And it was H.W. Bush and Dukakis. The difference then is it was subtle jokes. Like Dukakis saying, I can't believe I'm losing this guy. And H. Bush just talking thousand points of light, stay the course, blah, blah, blah. But everything in our media has always been against Republicans. Republicans have always been fucking Nazis, white supremacists. They don't care about the people. They care about business. But yet, if you do any research, you realize every political party, and that's why I'm an independent, coddles Wall Street. Because Wall Street pays the goddamn campaign. It pays the economy. So, before we get in the netnoid, let's talk about the first one. C-SPAN suspends Steve Scully for lying about hacking. AP News Alert. C-SPAN suspends political editor Steve Scully indefinitely after he admits he lied about being hacked. Oh, are you sure? (laughs) Did anybody believe that he was hacked? I mean, seriously, boys and girls, did you believe that shit? Responses are, and this was the guy who was supposed to be our second debate moderator, biased, dishonest, and pathetic. My Twitter was hacked. Was an unbelievable as Jesse Smollett. Yet the left always gets away with it. Brian Seltzer, the news guy on CNN. A true WTF. What was he thinking moaning? Causing real damage to the national news media reputation. Carol Roth. It seems you may be unfamiliar with the national news media reputation. Sorry, that had already happened when you came on the scene. You really think the media has a reputation left, Brian? Y'all have been bitching and being called fake news for the last five years, and now you think there's a reputation to uphold? Are you on drugs, son? I mean, these are all responses. The most surprised journalist, the least surprised non-journalist. Donna Brazil gave fucking questions. We're not stupid. People that are conservative or have been on and actually done some research know that in 2008, y'all had a chat room and y'all said whenever anybody, including Hillary, says anything about Obama, call him a fucking racist, they'll make him shut up. And then you continue that for eight fucking years. No investigative reporting, no really digging into anything, because why would we do that? Because we love Obama. He's a great guy. I mean, the fact of the matter is he was your wet dream. An articulate black man. That's what Biden said about him. Reed said it. Implying that black people aren't, I guess, articulate. Then you get Kristen Welter. She'll be the last one. Hand-picked debate topics don't match with the voters say on top. New Kristen Welker, moderator of October 22nd presidential debate, Belmont University, has selected topics fighting COVID-19, American families, race in America, climate change, national security, and leadership. Joe Concha, 
Debate topics for the third debate disclosed. Nothing on the economy, immigration, health care, law enforcement, education. Climate change was a topic added by Fox Wallace, and here it is again. And then they show nobody, that's not the top interest, but it's protective of Biden. Those are his categories. We're not going to talk about Antifa. We're not going to talk about the violence in the street. Why would we? And then one last. Washington Post, NBC Stephanie Rule filmed promo spot for Bank. She covers as a journalist. And I've talked about this at nauseum. And folks, the reality is she is played off as a straight news person on the Today Show. But her show is a fucking nightmare. And you know what else was a nightmare? The poor black lady who got doxxed by our media. Students for Trump, whoever this woman is nodding her head, we stand with her. Sarah Cooper, same. This woman is nodding at things before he's even finished his thoughts. It's a psychological trick, and can I believe no producer, no camera person, no one is stopping it. A parody of taken about black women who follows Trump around nodding at everything he says. It's called Token. But then it went crazy. Blue checks aren't happy that woman daring to agree with President Trump during the NBC town hall. Julie Ricardo Varela. Who thinks the black woman in the audience behind Trump who keeps nodding to what he says was part of the campaign negotiation? I hope the woman that's a different person, Matt Mitvick. I hope the woman perpetually nodding behind Trump got paid in advance. Mark Hurtling. The nodding woman is driving me nuts. Uh, Katie Couric. Remember, she's the Palin Buster Upper Straight News Today Show. I'll say it again. She lied about gun stats and suppressed shit and got caught. I'm channel surfing. The woman the real Donald Trump's right keeps nodding her head, which I find very distracting. Tom Nichols. Trump is going on about how he's under leveraged and not to worry about the 400 million he owes. And the woman behind him is nodding and shaking her head like she's getting paid by the muscle movement. I would love to know who put her there. African-American woman asked what Trump will do to help cops work better with communities of color. Trump bitches that Tim Scott bill didn't get passed. And then says he's done more for the African-American community than HBCUs and etc. Nodding lady. Big nods. Guthrie challenges Trump to release his taxes. Trump says he can't do it. Nodding again. And they doxed her. She ended up being on the media. I'm not going to play it. But they doxed her. Because you can't be out of step. It's like Ice Cube. You can't have your own fucking opinion. You're a monolith. All blacks think the same. All gays think the same. I got an Ice Cube tweet that I was going to put in the show. He literally says, Harris and Biden ain't done shit for blacks. They need to tie that up before they worry about me. Because he went to them and they ignored him. Trump didn't. Tom Nichols again, journalist. If you don't find out who that woman is nodding behind Trump at an undecided voter town hall, then I don't know what you're getting paid for. He literally called for it. And the media carried it out. But yet, we have proof. We have fucking proof 
Here it is. Joe Biden's ABC Town Hall questioners were hardly unbiased or spontaneous. Biden's ABC Town Hall questions include Obama speechwriter, wife of former Pennsylvania Dem candidate. Remember, this isn't the first town hall. We've proven this. MSDNC and NBC carded the same fucking people to ask different questions, and they were undecided voters. The first time, they weren't. Then they brought them back for the undecided because they probably polled well. Two of the questions on ABC Town Hall featuring Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden on Thursday had ties to high-profile Democrats, including one questioner who previously worked as a speechwriter for the Obama administration. The queries came as President Trump, hundreds of miles away, was engaged in his own parallel town hall being aired on NBC. The ABC Town Hall was hosted by Snuffleupagans, who once again was a communication director for Bill Clinton. One of the questioners at the ABC-hosted event was Nathan Osborne, a former speechwriter for the Obama White House. Osborne specifically worked for the Office of Public Affairs at the Commerce Department under the Obama-Biden administration. So there's no bias there. Most independents and conservatives know this is all cooked. This whole campaign's been cooked. It's cooked worse than 16 Because they don't want to be the one. That's why they're not covering Hunter. Savannah Guthrie blasted for hostile behavior. Not going to cover it. It was horrible. CNN. Savannah Guthrie's questions at NBC Town Hall exposed Trump's warped information diet. And that's by Brian's fucking seltzer. Well, let's put it this way. At least he got asked questions. We'll get to the Biden in a second. They're... That was T-ball. That was fucking T-ball. That is not what a president gets asked. There was no pushing, no nothing. Greg Gutfeld, this is a town hall. Where is the town? It's just Savannah badgering. What a joke. No matter what he denounces, Guthrie will find another. Here's a proof he denounces. She was on a question. You see this? Guthrie isn't even listening to him, and she just needs to get through her list, and she's embarrassing herself. She pretends she has questions, so many questions, she says, but she just chases the same narrative. NBC is embarrassing itself worse than expected. Guthrie's like a poorly disguised ambush. Even she follows up with plain questions about the town hall. Questions, what a horrible show trial. Fact, these town halls are BS. I expect something better from Guthrie, but she's just another irrational hack. Off to watch Tucker. And then Molly Hemingway. Trump just said 85% of the people who wear masks get COVID. Not so, but CDC did report that 85% of the people they studied who got this virus reported wearing masks. Savannah Guthrie has wasted 10 minutes on her personal obsession with people wearing masks, and I would like her to move on to more interesting and more important topics. She never did. There are so many conservative articles. I played the sound bites. While Biden... He came up with this dumb shit. We can do this. You can ban chokeholds. You can, but beyond that, you have to teach people how to de-escalate circumstances. De-escalate. So instead of anybody coming at you, and the first thing you do is shoot to kill. You shoot them in the leg. There's ways you have to do more background checks in terms of whether or not the person coming in passes certain psychological tests. And the last thing I'll say, and I'm sorry because it was really, I think, really, really important, is you have to be in a position where you are able to identify 
identified the things that have to change. And one of the things that has to change is so many cops get called into circumstances where somebody is mentally off, like what happened not long ago with that guy with the knife. That's why we have to provide within police departments psychologists and social workers to go out with the cops on those calls, those, some of those 911 calls, to de-escalate the circumstance, to deal with talking them down. But we can't, cops are kind of like school teachers. Dana Loesch, what the fuck? Shooting someone in the leg is not de-escalation. No one teaches this literally. Megan Kelly, seriously, spoken like a man who's never had a criminal running at him with a deadly weapon. He's a fucking moron, somebody says. Uh, yep, and hit the main artery, and then they bleed out. He's been watching too many cop shows. Not, nor can it be done. It's not even possible. Legs are not big enough target easily to hit. So as President of the United States will solve police shootings by signing the shoot the leg bill. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, the reality is I've shown so many videos of people trying to de-escalate and trying to wound, and they keep coming. This is what you've created, lefties. Oh, I had the talk. I gotta have the talk with my kid because cops are horrible. Yeah, I had a talk pretty simple when my kids left the house the first time. Do what the fuck you're told. If it's a teacher, if it's a police officer, if it's a fireman, do what the fuck you're told and you won't have a goddamn problem. That's a pretty simple conversation. But we pander it out to say that it's only black people. Yet, as we know, the statistics don't prove it at all. They did not ask him an article. ABC holds Biden's hand, refuses to ask him about Hunter Biden. Not one question. None of it. But they had a talking point. Kate Hyde. There's a lot of political chatter going on at the blood pressure monitor at CVS these days. Katie Kirk, my blood pressure is now... Let me go to the tweet, sorry. I thought I could just do it off my paper. My blood pressure is now down significantly. Joe Biden has come across as sincere and humble. Pete Butleg, just a man turning on the TV, seeing your president, feeling your blood pressure go down instead of up. Dean Obadiah, America needs Joe Biden to bring out our collective blood pressure. Daniel P. Horan, I'm not watching the respective town halls tonight, preferring to keep my blood pressure down. Oh, oh, but like an infomercial. There's more. John Farvero. Wow, you really do feel your blood pressure lawyer lower. Rufus Gifford, the ABC Town Hall with Joe Biden makes my blood pressure decrease. The NBC Town Hall with Trump is such a train wreck it makes me want to grab a bottle of tequila. Paul Fang, my blood pressure is so nice and low. Libby Dinkman, instead of my blood pressure going through the roof watching a presidential town hall, I've chosen soothing activity of Joe Buck. He goes on, or she goes on in this thread and goes, David Monter, Oliver Butler, Helen Miller Walsh, Matt Shimping, and then every fucking media member. Because that's how they do it, folks. Did they not know Savannah Guthrie is going to do this? Are you fucking smoking crack? I'm sure she had to uh, soothe everyone. Don't worry, I'm going to make him fucking lose his shit and look unglued because there was a dip in the polls after the first debate. 
People tuned in, maybe they were undecided, they listened, and then they listened to CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, fucking MSDNC, talk about how Biden was so calm. That's because Biden can't form two sentences with a fucking thesaurus and a dictionary. The man's a stammering fucking idiot. He only speaks in bumper sticker. Hail Razor brings us to the best part about this. But before we do it, this is an African-American on an airplane. And it ties in with all this because it was the same thing with the town halls and masks and everything we talk about. This is a Karen on a plane to an African-American conservative. And it's all because of a hat. So you're just going on hearsay and violating Southwest policy then, right? Can you tell us the policy that prevents him from taking his mask off while he's eating, please? I was not here. The president, the crew has denied. Okay, but you're seeing him with eating. So please tell me the policy. Tell the crew to tell me the policy that says he cannot eat with his mask off. It's the hat. It's the hat and the mask. It's not the eating. I fly three times a week. So, can you clarify for us, are we not allowed to take our masks off to eat on this plane? Can you please clarify, are we are not allowed to take our masks off to eat on this plane or not? So, are you going to tell us that we can take our masks off to, to eat on the plane? See, he did cooperate. Here you go. Say that again. He put his mask on. He took it off when he started eating the nuts. That was it. I was sitting right here. So now, if the roles were reversed and conservatives were the masked Nazis, that would be some racist shit for a white woman to talk to a black person that way. But that's what they've done, the media at behest, because they know that's a polling thing that's been working for the left. So here's Hale Razor summing up what I hinted earlier. White House gets COVID, serves them right, recklessly irresponsible, troglodytes, super spreader events. Camelia Harris' team gets COVID, only shows that despite precautions, this horrible virus could strike anyone anywhere, and its victims deserve our compassion. Clearly, the only way this could have happened is Camilla's staffers attended a Trump rally and a Rose Garden event. You don't hear anything. 
You don't hear anything. It's just reported. That's all it is. It's just reported. It's not that big of a deal. Doesn't matter. But that's because they know. Biden campaign manager Jen O'Malley Dillon and Grassroots Summit emphasizes that their polling does not show the double-digit lead nationally. Please take the fact that we are not ahead by double digits. Those are inflated national polls. Dillon said she's projected the campaign will raise another $234 million through the election. Bonker numbers, she acknowledges. Here's her pitch slide trying to get supporters to give more cash. Dillon says she's bullish on Arizona. I know we're going to win in Arizona. And this is America. There's a lot of reasons why they know they're going to win, folks. But I'll save it because the fraud is already starting so bad. Well, I'll wait till we get there. It's not goddamn pretty. But if you expected anything else, and if you expect Kristen Welker, who's literally seen with pictures with the Obamas, and she's a person of color, and she picked those so it could help Biden, and you don't think Trump's going to get, will you denounce white supremacy, which he's done a million times, and Biden will not be asked, do you denounce Antifa blowing shit up, BLM's getting rid of the nuclear family and basically turning us into a fucking Marxist country, uh... Any of those? Hunter? No. You're not going to get it. They are going to ensure that they are the best communication department for an election campaign ever because they don't give a fuck about journalism. They don't give a fuck about informing the American people. They give a fuck about the Twitter mob that's going to attack them just like Savannah Guthrie got attacked and she brought them what she wanted. And now we go into narrative, and narrative, we're going to start, and I'm sorry, it's a long soundbite, it's my one long one, because Tucker Carlson is the only person covering this shit with new information. When the media becomes part of one party, no longer have news, we have narrative. that now was famously dropped off at a Delaware computer repair store last year contained thousands and thousands of Hunter Biden's emails and texts and tens of thousands of pictures and many videos. We're still discovering more tonight. But just hours ago, the site Breitbart.com reported on new documents that did not come from Hunter Biden's laptop. Instead, they came from a former business associate of Hunter Biden's directly to Breitbart. 
The documents show that Hunter Biden and his business partners helped rich Chinese investors and members of the Chinese Communist Party obtain meetings with then-Vice President Joe Biden. We know Hunter Biden, possibly Joe Biden himself, went on to make a lot of money with the help of those Chinese officials. Why isn't anyone else in the media talking about this? This isn't some made-up nonsense. It's not an October surprise. This is China, our main global rival that is overtaking us. But back to the story. On October 19, 2011, at 2.08 p.m., an intermediary emailed an associate of Hunter Biden with a pitch on behalf of something called the China Entrepreneur Club, or CEC. It's comprised of senior members of the Chinese Communist Party and other wealthy officials from China. In the email, the intermediary referred to the CEC as, quote, China Inc. He made it very clear that China Inc. wanted high-level access to the Obama White House. Quote, a group like this does not come along every day. A tour of the White House and a meeting with a member of the Chief of Staff's office and John Kerry would be great. The email went on this way, quote, not sure if one has to be registered to do this. In other words, we're not sure if it's legal. Was it legal? Doesn't sound it. But that didn't slow down Hunter Biden or his associates. The email was quickly forwarded to Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's business partner, on November 5th, 2011. On November 11th of that year, Archer wrote to Hunter Biden to tell him he had a meeting with the intermediary and that it was, quote, good. Archer added that it, quote, seems like there was a lot to do together down the line. In a separate email that same day, Archer wrote this, quote, couldn't confirm this with Hunter on the line, but we got him his meeting at the White House Monday for the Chinese folks. We got him his meeting on Monday with the Chinese folks at the White House. Okay. Turns out White House records show that the CEC indeed got the chance to visit the White House on November 14th, just like they asked. But the White House records from that day don't indicate that they met with the vice president. Today, though, Breitbart did a little reporting and found an obscure document from the CEC accessible online that confirms the group did have a meeting with Joe Biden. So why wasn't this meeting with the sitting vice president part of the public record? This visit wasn't logged, and yet it happened. So Hunter Biden delivered. What did he get in return? We know that Hunter Biden went on to make a lot of money with the help of the Chinese investors he helped out. He and Devin Archer formed an investment fund backed by the Chinese government that was closely linked to the CEC. It's not clear whether Joe Biden also profited from that venture, but other text messages obtained from Hunter Biden's laptop suggest he may have. The New York Post, for example, found an email showing that Hunter Biden may have reserved 10% of his equity stake in a Chinese company for, quote, the big guy. Another Hunter Biden text message suggests that his father was forcing him to turn over half of his salary. More documents like this are coming. We know that. We also know, and we said this before tonight, this was Hunter Biden's laptop. And anyone who tells you otherwise is either ignorant or lying or both. What we don't know is when Joe Biden and Hunter Biden will have to answer questions about any of this. They won't come on this show. For now, our media is content to harass the laptop repair shop owner in Wilmington. It's always the little guy they crush. It's the beat cop. It's the woman who owns the hair salon in San Francisco that Nancy Pelosi went to maskless. It's never the hedge fund manager. It's never the heads of Google. It's never the FBI. It's always the little guy. So they're hassling the guy, threatening the guy who owns the computer repair shop. But it's not clear that the hard drive he turned over to the FBI, it is now clear, is genuine. 
And that is a huge problem for people who have spent this week pretending it's Russian propaganda. It's not. It's real. Miranda Devine is a columnist with the New York Post. She's been on this story since the very first day. And so for the third night in a row, we're happy to have her back on. Miranda, wh what have we learned today from this cache of emails? Well, it's more evidence to show that Joe Biden was aware of his family's cash for influence scheme in with shady companies overseas in China, Ukraine and elsewhere. But what we also know now is that he was actively participating in that scheme by having meetings um, that assisted his family's activities. And you've just mentioned some with regard to China. Uh, we've reported this week others uh, with respect to other places. For instance, we have um, published an email showing that uh, Hunter Biden organised a meeting between Joe Biden and the number three guy at the corrupt energy company in Ukraine, Burisma, which was at that point paying Hunter Biden up to $83,000 a month for the five years that he was on that board. Um, so what we see is that Joe Biden is an active participant. But even more disturbing is there is evidence that, um, that, that this had a, an impact. Uh, it warped America's foreign policy. And we know um, right. that happened in China and Ukraine. And in China, um, you know, basically, Joe Biden was a point man for Obama, for America. He went easy on China. He went easy on China, militarizing the South China Sea. He went easy on China, ripping off America's, you know, intellectual property. Um, right. In, in every way, China, China did well. America lost out, and the Biden family enriched themselves to the tune of millions and millions of dollars. That is the nicest summation I have heard, and, and that's what the stakes were. This is not just a sleazy lobbying scheme. We see so many of those in Washington. They're all wrong, but this was more profound than that. This was a selling out of the country. Randy Devine, I appreciate your coming on and summing it up for us, as you did. So as we covered before, the media is not going to touch this because they're Team Biden. But they're starting to respond to it, and like clockwork, near a tandem. Paula Reed adopted Trump's playbook, attacking pool reporter Bono's best for asking about Hunter Biden's story, which has been a focus of President Trump's campaign over the past few days. Fine to attack the story, but why personally insult insult Bo near a tandem? How are you all circling the wagons instead of being embarrassed for peddling Russian ops 18 days before the election? It's not enough that you all haven't learned from your atrocious handling of 2016. You're doubling down truly incredible. The media in most of Europe is so much more responsible than American media. After 2016, I thought they would have been more responsible. It's incredibly depressing that they're doing Russia's work. I'm a fan of a lot of these reporters, but it's clearly clear, clear someone sent out a memo to circle the wagons. I'm really shocked that Greenwald did it. Adopting a star that only criticism of a story, Mark Caputo, uh, Kyle Cheney. You don't know what these are real, and the plan could be to drop this disinfo before they drop more negative information so people are conditioned. And it goes on and on. She went down Twitter and found anybody that tweeted about it after it was released and said no. Ben Rhodes. We cannot normalize U.S. reporters being spreaders of Russian disinformation campaign because it gets clicked. This is the first, this is the same guy who was a 
fucking fiction writer driving a goddamn bus for Obama that literally said, I did a disinformation campaign so I could get the fucking Iran deal done. But oh no, it's Russia, Russia, Russia with Russia, Russia, Russia. And so was the media on air. Here is CBS. Of the House Intelligence Committee, Congressman Adam Schiff. Uh, Congressman, thanks so much for joining us. Does it surprise you at all that this information Rudy Giuliani is peddling uh, very well could be connected to some sort of Russian government disinformation campaign? Well, we know that this whole uh, smear on Joe Biden uh, comes from the Kremlin. Uh, that's been clear for well over a year now that they've been pushing this uh, false narrative about the vice president and his son. Uh, and, you know, the idea that the president, um, that the White House counsel and others were made aware that Giuliani was being used by Russian intelligence uh, and using Russian intelligence in the sense of meeting with an agent of the Kremlin and pushing out this Kremlin false narrative. The idea that they were knowing uh, and still on the floor of the Senate during the impeachment trial, uh, pushing this Kremlin narrative is pretty breathtaking. But I guess at this point, we can't be shocked by anything this administration does, no matter how craven. Uh, But clearly, the origins of this whole uh, smear uh, are from the Kremlin. And the president is only too happy to have Kremlin help in in trying to amplify it. It's not like Rudy Giuliani is peddling. And tonight, the Trump campaign is accusing Twitter and Facebook of censorship after the social media companies blocked the spread of an unverified story about former Vice President Joe Biden's son and a laptop allegedly full of his old emails. It's a story raising concerns about whether it's real or just designed to sow confusion in the final weeks of the election. Here's CBS's Nancy Cordes. Experts say it has all the hallmarks of information laundering and all the headaches of 2016. I have nothing to say about WikiLeaks. Back then, it was Clinton campaign chairman John Podesta whose emails were stolen and then dribbled out in the last month of the race. This time, it's a tabloid newspaper dribbling out emails, purportedly swiped from Vice President Joe Biden's son. This is a big smoking gun. The go-between this time isn't WikiLeaks, but Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani, who says he got the emails from a computer repairman in Delaware. He wanted us to have this. He he also thought it displayed numerous crimes. Hmm. Uh, So he gave them to my lawyer. We have the entire hard drive. Giuliani has admitted before to working with a known Russian agent to dig up dirt on the Bidens. This looks like your classic disinformation campaign. Eric O'Neill is a former FBI FBI operative. Steal the information with a cyber attack, get the emails from Hunter Biden's account, and then put them on these laptops that are left at a repair store. And that's how the information is now laundered into the public. Who do you think is behind this? Well, the Russians would be my number one guess, if I had to guess. Another echo of 2016, though this time social media outlets were quick to limit the spread of the story. Twitter briefly suspending the accounts of the Trump campaign and White House press secretary after they tried to share it. The campaign threatened to sue as allies on Capitol Hill cried censorship. The Senate Judiciary Committee wants to know what the hell is going on. Then and now, the goal of these incidents appears to be the same, to cast a cloud over the front runner in the closing weeks of the campaign using a drip, drip, drip of emails that create the air of scandal 
even though Republican-led congressional investigations have never uncovered any evidence of wrongdoing by Vice President Biden. This morning, a CNN exclusive. So CNN has learned that federal prosecutors, including special counsel Robert Mueller, spent more than three years investigating whether money flowing through an Egyptian state-owned bank could have backed millions of dollars that Donald Trump donated to his own 2016 campaign. Ultimately, the Mueller team was not able to obtain all the information it wanted, nor could the U.S. attorney in D.C. who continued the investigation until this year and decided not to pursue charges. Senior Justice Correspondent Evan Perez joins us now. Evan, you were part of the team that broke this story, and there's a lot in here that's so interesting it just wasn't publicly known. Developing overnight, a new report in the New York Times reveals what White House economic advisors were privately telling Republican donors in the early days of the pandemic, while at the same time publicly downplaying the pandemic to the American people. This is what The Times reports, quote, The president's aides appeared to be giving wealthy party donors an early warning of a potentially impactful contagion at a time when Mr. Trump was publicly insisting that the threat was not existent. Elite traders had access to information from the administration that helped them gain financial advantage during a chaotic three days when global markets were teetering. God damn. Fucking God damn. You got to be kidding me. Angela Kay. Ben didn't seem to care when U.S. reporters were spreading Russian disinformation against Trump. It's their playbook. It's all about that. And Facebook and Twitter are still limiting it. But then you find out they've given 51 times more to Biden than Trump and FEC data. So far in this cycle, big tech tech companies have given a half a million dollars to Biden and 10000 to Trump. And how would this be Russian disinfo, brainiacs? Did they go to the computer repair shop? I'm just asking. Then you have, as Tucker broke out, a person on the Hunter Biden China email thread has reportedly corroborated the veracity of the messages. Holy smokes. One of the people on the explosive email thread allegedly involved Hunter Biden has corroborated the veracity of the messages which appear to outline a payout for former Vice President Joe Biden as part of a deal with a Chinese energy firm. Sources close to Trump world text, honest questions. Can the media just ignore this too? Yeah. Yeah, they're just going to ignore it. New York Post did a cover censored Facebook and Twitter blog post expose on Hunter Biden files. Miranda Devine, who was on the Tucker quit clip, columns up big tech censored a hunter story because it's in the tank for Joe Biden plus the China grift. Twitter locked out Team Trump, the official campaign Twitter account, for tweeting what they said was not in violation of the rules anymore. Mike Hahn, Twitter suspended Team Trump for posting a video calling Joe Biden a liar who's been ripping off her country for years as it relates to New York Post article. 19 days out from a election. So Kaylee McKinney and Team Trump blocked. Dana Loesch, Twitter, Jack, support locked my account because I shared the story I wrote about big tech and the New York Post. Some apology, Jack. 
I'm your Huckleberry. Twitter has made a decision. They have gone completely 1984 that will suppress any information they're going to come out after anyone with a conservative viewpoint. This is now two weeks till election day. This is CCP style shit. And it is. They went after House Judiciary. Twitter has blocked users from tweeting the link to the New York Post story on our Biden. So we put it on our website for you to read and share. Tim Pool, welcome to Black Mirror, motherfuckers. Twitter's now blocking a government site. <laughs> it is Black Mirror. If you haven't watched that, that's a Netflix show. Yeah. They blocked that shit. So you couldn't go there. Official government gov website. House Republicans want to know if the FBI had position of Hunter Biden's alleged computer. And they're going to be fucking bringing people in to find out. Because they did. And understand the timing. At the very same time, Donald Trump, the piece of shit that doesn't have a D behind his name now, but he used to, was being impeached. This computer was in the hands of the fucking FBI. Yet it's the very same crime. Senator Graham Cruz and Hawley say Judiciary Committee will hold vote to subpoena tech CEOs. Catherine Gibson. Senator Cruz says preparing a subpoena to compel testimony of Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey on blocking sharing the New York Post article. Twitter and Facebook and big tech billionaires don't get to censor political speech and actively interfere in this election, says Cruz. Yeah, they do. They can do whatever the fuck they want. But to the Nets, ABC, NBC, and CBS, in 2019, they did a little expose. They said, oh, there's nothing here. It's just some bullshit again. Then Ben Rhodes comes back out again. The Republican freakout over not being able to spread disinformation unchecked demonstrates why you should not be able to spread disinformation unchecked. They know they have no political viability without the capacity to spread lies. Zalid Zalini. I remember when Rhodes and Obama top staff pressured to think tank I worked at to shut me up for factual but critical reporting on Afghanistan. When someone wants to control someone's ability to speak, there's usually a reason. It makes sense political operatives don't want their opponents to be able to speak. Politics isn't fair, but why are supposedly neutral services, publications, and platforms going along with it? Of course, sometimes people get it wrong and other people lie. The reason why it's because human beings do these things. You can't socially engineer a utopia society where some authority decides what's true and disallows things they don't like. And he shares it. Confidential documents reveal U.S. officials failed to tell the truth about Afghanistan. I covered it on the show. Drew Holden, of course, our guy, brings it on. Thread. The bombshell New York Post story about Joe and Hunter Biden has caused some blue checks to suddenly worry about pushing a story they may not be true. Where was that sentiment during Russian collusion? Your latest class of hypocrisy Hall of Fame boys and girls, Andy Stone, while intentionally not linked to the New York Post, want to be clear that stories is eligible to be fact-checked by Facebook and third-party fact-checking partners. In the meantime, we're reducing its distribution on our platform. Perhaps the richest about-face comes from Jonathan Chait, the same guy who suggested with a straight face that Trump had been Russian asset since the 80s and endlessly pushed the Steele dossier. With proof, every one of these has proof. 
showing the tweets that they did, and now they don't. Kyle Griffin, we covered it. He lost his shit, but he was easy to push everything Schiff ever said. And that wasn't all for Kyle Griffin. He was fine to trust Michael Avanti. Adam Gentleson. Shouldn't surprise you to see the committed, committed Russian truther and former Harry Reid, an expert in avoiding the truth if there ever was, staffer A. Gentleson on here. Promoting the Post story? Russian propaganda helper? Love letter to Steele dossier? Committed parent, patriot. Then you have Judge Legum. Same, same. Kevin M. Cruz. Daniels Goldsman. It's pleasant thought to hope that all of a sudden the scales have fallen from the gentleman's eyes and they realize that we should all be more dubious of reporting. But it seems more likely for once the dubious allegations have hurt their team. So they're upset. Also, congrats to Jay Rubin Blogger for her first non-entry in Hypocrisy Hall of Flame. <laughs> it's so true. And then, of course, it covers all the near near Tannen tweets, everything. It's just... Scott Adams, CNN totally disappeared the Hunter Biden laptop story. It's gone. They're talking about QAnon. Because that was a big thing for the town hall that I'm not even talking about. QAnon, that's the latest thing. Couldn't get any more white supremacists. Let's go with QAnon. Then we have this little tidbit. Jonathan Turley takes CNN Asha Raponga. Remember the one that was dogging Flotus for her pose and then was found with the same pose. Jonathan Turley, Yale professor and CNL legal analyst, Asha Raponga, tweeted that President Trump is a biological terrorist in the White House and then added that she meant that literally. That is literally why legal analysts has become little more than sensational insults or allegation. A legal analyst has a duty to at least try to be accurate in discussing the literal meaning of our laws and terminology. This type of attack is an appeal to the lowest common denominator on our public debate and may drive ratings, but does harm to national dialogue. Asha Raponga's reply. Because coronavirus appears to meet the statutory definition of biological agent under the federal law, the purposely exposure and infection of others with COVID-19 potentially could implicate the nation's terrorism-related study. Jeffrey A. Rosen. That's her response. Where was she on this story? She's on CNN. No comment. And when somebody finally, and I alluded to it in the beginning, Bo Erickson from CBS, which really surprised me, I asked Joe Biden, what is your response to the New York Post article? He's the first and only to ask. While Trump has been asked, 90 times about white supremacy. This is his response. And you can put it in your bank, boys and girls. This will be the only time he's asked. And Mr. Biden, Mr. Biden, what is your response to the New York Post story about your son, sir? I know you'd ask it. I have no response. It's another smear campaign. Right up your alley. Those are the questions you always ask. I mean, really think about it. All the coverage we had on Russia, Russia, Russia. All the craziness that was all proven false, that's their plan now. We're going to say it's Russian disinformation when this is 
disinterested third party shit. This doesn't have Trump's fingers on it. That's that's just what that's our that's our media. I really think about it. That's our media. That's the left. I mean, this is how they operate, and they get away with it. So as CNN was covering down, we're going to go into our This is America with organic grassroots Trump parades all over the country and a soundbite of Blexit, which is African-Americans, Candace Owens, walking away from the Democratic Party. These are all organic, probably got some conservative money in there somewhere, but it's ignored by our media. Now remember, he is doing social distance cars and parking lot. Very few people show up. We've shown so many surrogates having nobody show up. Trump's still packing halls and people are on their own doing Trump rallies with their cars. None of this is covered. And then our This is America Today, Diane Feinstein caught on a hat mic. And some lefties online losing their shit because the entire SCOTUS thing was just about killing babies for the left. It didn't matter that she didn't have a D on her name. It's that she doesn't want to kill babies when they're in kindergarten. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light was so proudly we held at the twilight's last
slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America in 2019. And I can't apply the law to a hypothetical set of facts. I guess I'm done here. Don't need these. Definitely don't need this one. Can't apply the law to a hypothetical set of facts. Tuition refund. Like, what else can you do? You're like, well, I don't. I think you're lying. He wants that same thing, but realistically, is everyone going to vote for that? No. He now says he uh, wants to be fracking obsolete. So why does he still oppose a ban? I want to make fracking obsolete. Is it, again, just to try and hit both sides of the voters? I, I think so. Yeah. Well, don't you? Like, I can't think of another I would changing his view on it. Like, I think probably just in an attempt to like, sway voters. Like, I don't think he fundamentally opposes fracking. Like, he's said before that he, like, thinks it should still continue. Like, all things, too, that, like, What is the purpose of saying you want fracking to be obsolete, but also opposing a ban? When it comes to fracking and oil, just never know. Like, what's the strategy there? I don't understand. I really don't. I think that what he wanted to do was distance himself from the Green New Deal. Okay. Because I think a lot of people were grouping him in that. I'm, just, I, I'm not sure it's a long answer. I just wish he would denounce fracking. He wants that same thing, but realistically, is everyone going to vote for that? No. Will they vote for that eventually? Yes. You ask a kid why they didn't vote and they'll tell you. They don't care about politics. All politicians are the same and they're above it. So let's run down a quick list. Do you hope to have a job one day? You care about politics. Do you have a student loan? Do you have a credit card? You care about politics. Are you impervious to illness or injury or infection? Do you have parents? Do you think you'll have kids? Do you care about what kind of school they'll go to? You care about politics. Do you care about other people? Kids born into unimaginable poverty. People being singled out and brutalized because of their race, their religion, their national origin, whom they choose to love. 
free speech, a free press, a woman's right to choose, a black man's right to breathe, an eighth grader's right to be free from fear that social studies won't get interrupted by automatic gunfire. If you want politicians to stop ignoring you, then you have to stop ignoring politics. Because ignoring it doesn't make you above it. It makes you outside of it. Only 40% of African Americans between 18 and 24 voted in 2016. And today, even at the height of Black Lives Matter, too many young black men think elections just don't matter. It's not surprising that many of you feel that way. After decades of suppression, disenfranchisement, gerrymandering, and much worse. In 2016, there were foreign disinformation campaigns aimed specifically at reducing the black male vote. And they were successful. So it's no wonder that so many have tuned out, turned off, and come to think that politics doesn't speak for them. Don't fall for it. Don't listen to those who are dying for you to sit on your hands. If you're sick, not just of the coronavirus, but the fact that African Americans are twice as likely to die from it, this election matters to you, and you need to vote. If you're sick, not just of the recession, but the fact that our communities hit first, hardest, and longest, this election matters to you, and you need to vote. If you're sick, not just of police brutality, but the fact that no amount of marching or shouting seems to change a damn thing about it, this election matters to you and you need to vote. This election will decide our health care, our economy, our criminal justice system, our cities, our schools, our country, our country, a country in which we are not guests. This is no time to tune out. It's time to turn out in greater numbers than ever before. Yeah, that's a lot of heart garbage right there. Just big buckets of garbage. Because remember, it's not about religion, folks. Not about religion. No, not so ever. But there's Feinstein. There's people on the left. And I threw in my favorite West Wing. Now, I watched West Wing on Netflix. Didn't watch it was on the air. But it was basically a love letter to the left. And you got all those actors on there. And there they go again, doing something on HBO, basically saying, your lives are at stake. You're all going to die. Because Trump and shit. (laughs) Killing me. To our voter fraud section, you don't say Louisville TV station report bins of ballots found discarded in a dumpster. Molly Hemingway, will you accept the results of the election? As Trump responds, Guthrie interrupts to insist that there will be no problem with mail-in ballots. Trump mentions that he didn't get a peaceful transfer and accept results, but he wants it to be honest. WDRB. Postal employees fired. Federal charges possible after absentee ballots dumped in Jeffersontown. And you can see it. Bins full of ballots found in a dumpster. Albany. More than 100 Jefferson County absentee ballots were found in the trash. WDRB's Lexi Rapp. Yep, media could cover that. People's response. Hey, Savannah, I think you were playing dumb on this subject. Yeah, you don't say. Y'all assure me this wasn't possible. Oh, but there's more. Hundreds of mail-in votes already set aside due to voter fraud claims in Patterson. New Jersey. Nevada mail ballots exceed entire 2018 total vote. Already. Statewide, 
Um, the Nevada Secretary of State reported that 90,023 mail-in ballots have been received as of Thursday morning, surpassing the entire 2018 general election mail absentee voting total of 87,658. Statewide, 48,900 ballots have been received from registered Democrats and 21,000 from Republicans. In Clark County, registered Democrats have tripled the number of ballots cast by registered Republicans. Other party ballots received 10,543. Heavy early voting turnout lines lasting several hours have been reported in many states, especially in the South. More than 17 million votes have already been cast, according to media reports. Of those, Pennsylvania rejects 372,000 mail-in ballot applications, leaving many voters confused. One voter was alleged to have submitted 11 duplicate ballots. How many of these got to read? I don't give a fuck what you say. This reeks of voter fraud. You could say it's not true. You could say, oh, you're just making it up. But it's voter fraud. It's all over the country. Think about all the things we've been through with Democrats under the Obama administration, all the things they did in fear of losing power. Why would you think this mail-in voting scheme isn't just that, a scheme? And then our closing thing, which I just love this because this, this surmises our media, the left, all those people from the West Wing bumping their fucking gums. Voter suppression, voter this, outside money, dark money. We hear it all the time. Yet, James Harrison, this movement has been beaten fundraising records, polling records, and expectations. Nobody thought a round-headed boy from Orangebird could take on Lindsey Graham. But with you by my side, we've done just that. Let's bring it home. Political polls. Trump 49, Biden 41, Jorgensen 2, Hawkins 1, Graham 46, Harrison 40, Bledsoe 4. Fundraising by the numbers. Harrison, South Carolina, 57 million. Mark Kelly, 38.7. Greenfield, 28.7. Cal Cunningham, 28.3. Steve Bullock, 26.8. John Hickenlooper, 22.6. And where did all that money come from? Outside of the state to beat key Republicans in the Senate. But our media never talks about that. That's not a bad thing. When it's their team, when it's their team, it's okie dokie, artichokey. And we don't hear any voter suppression and dark money and people from the outside trying to take over state politics, blah, blah, blah. It's 
Fucking hypocrisy. I, mean, I got no problem with it. You want to burn money, go ahead. But you got to vote both ways. But the left is so focused on power, so filled with hate over 2016. My co- closing co- closing thought comes from Sarah Michelle Doyle. She's a blue check. She works for some PAC think tank for the left. I don't normally believe in criticizing women via their physical appearances, but every time I've seen this lady, her eyes never match her facial expression. There's a big icy wall of nothing there. I find the guardedness so sinister, like she's trying not to say a slur. And she had a picture of of Amy Comey Barrett. If your politics makes you look at somebody and think that, and have that much hate, if your politics makes you go beat up pro-life women, yell at pregnant women, and all the other things we've talked on this podcast... Maybe you should sit that out. Maybe you should find some kind of hobby. I don't know. Raise fucking alpacas. Do something. Because it's clearly obvious you don't have the temperament to deal with a society that is based on compromise. A large country with many And many different views and morals and values. Living in harmony. If anything this summer has taught us, as you go out to vote, and if you're on the fucking fence, the left believes violence is okay to further their agenda. They get to do it under the guise that there's white supremacists roaming the street lynching motherfuckers that nobody ever reports, and there's police that are on patrol every night to kill black people, which doesn't get back to statistics either. Pushed by a media and a race grievance industry, colleges and high schools and fucking kindergarten, that we are all fucking pieces of shit because of the way we were born whether we did anything or not. And if these people get power, it's not going to get better. It's not like Antifa and BLM aren't going to start pushing their shit. And it's not like Democrats aren't going to get worse. Their answer to everything is protest. Not peaceful assemblage and airing grievance. Protest. Fear, motherfuckers, into doing what we want. And that is about as un-American as anything I've ever heard. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share with your family and friends. Send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Foppodcast, gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, 
down and pocket cast. Remember to check out the Twitter account at Fop Tony Reed. Our next podcast is going to be Thursday, 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 the 22nd of October, Year of Our Lord 2020. As always, disconnect from your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeah. Spend some time with your family and tune back in Thursday for another show. Thank you all for listening. Listen to the liberals talk about burning shit down. I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country, and maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. Enemies of the state. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless. When they go low, be kidding. How do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck? Biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right up to the right. I thought he should have punched him in the face. So even if you lost, he insulted your wife. Yes. He came down the escalator and called Mexicans rapists and murders. He said, well, what do you think I should have done? I said, I think you should have punched him in the face and then gotten out of the race. Mm-hmm. You would have been a hero. I'd like to punch him in the face. I said if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Punch some people in the face! When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump, and that's a fact. Look as his character is stabbed to death. Where is John Wilkes Booth when you need him? I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. A Missouri state senator is under investigation by the Secret Service after saying she hopes President Trump is assassinated. I will go and take Trump out tonight. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome. And sadly, the domestic enemies to our voting system and our honoring our Constitution are are right at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They're not going to stop before Election Day in November, and they're not going to stop after Election Day. And that should be, everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't, they're not going to let up, and they should not. If you think we're rallying now, you ain't seen nothing yet. And part of the challenge we have as a nation is that a significant swath of Americans still support Donald Trump. They support his vision of America, and that is rooted in racism. It is rooted in a desire for power at the expense of everyone who is black and brown. And so what we have in this problem is a a spiritual kind of tyranny of the worst impulses, uh, you know, as uh, Dr. Meacham said, um, you you know, sort of weaponizing narcissism. That will send a shockwave through this country. And Donald Trump may not accept the results, but who gives a shit? Because the rest of the country will be forced to. I'm at the point where I'm ready to put these police to the fucking grave. I'm at the point where I want to burn the fucking White House down. I want to take it to the senators. I want to take it to the Congress. I want to take the fight to them. And at the end of the day, if they ain't going to hear us, we burn them the fuck down.
Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.